jam-packed to the rafters. Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thank you guys so much for being back with us here for episode 232 it is monday july the 26th 2021 and we are here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling as always i'm joe Morata, and i'm joined by michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy diddy what's going on with you lately oh nothing much just getting ready for the wrestling romping that we do every week we do the wrestling romping yep. and yep. uh we're thankful that these fans are with us right it's, oh we are so thankful we really are it's great to be back with you guys i'm sure that uh we'll romp the best that we possibly can here because we have not only the debut quinn of the royal flush oh, obviously oh big day but big debut there. for this season of yeah. uh, the best and worst celebrities we're doing all season long but not only that quinn we have another unsung hero that'll be coming up. That's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Whoa. And we're reviewing something. But guess what? Before we get to any of that, there's a place you can go, and it's called Twitter. You ever heard of it? I've heard of it. We it's have Twitter.com, right? Yeah, that's, Twitter. That's the site. It is the site. <laughs> not Twitter.friends or no, anything not like friends, that. No, not friends. No. No, not me. And if you want to follow us there, though, you can do that at OVP Podcast. Now, there's no video clips anymore. We stopped doing that. The video police came yeah. and they said, they, don't. Said, could cut you, it out. Could you not? Knock please? it off. Yeah. It will be curtains for you. Yeah. Curtains. Curtains. But you can follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast for daily posts about wrestling. Some funny things, some rare things, stuff like that. Just give us a follow at OVP Podcast. You can also email us if you want to at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, if people want to talk to you and me and over a thousand other retro wrestling fanatics, where can they go? Over at Facebook.com slash me, of course, where it's a site about me and you. Yeah, that's right. No, well, kind of. It's a group. And also you. Yeah, it's a group. And over at the Facebook me, they have a search bar. Okay. You type in the search bar, our management point, dash retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boom, tube score, kafui, hit the join button, you're in. That's yep. it. That's Don't, it. You, you can do it that quick as I'm talking. Yeah, why don't you do it now if you yeah. haven't joined yet? Join the group. Just, we'll, we'll, we'll wait for you right now. And the only rule you're going to see that you're going to agree to is don't be what? Uh, dunderhead. Don't be a dunderhead. And what does that mean? It means just don't be a jerk. You know, mm-hmm. there's enough personal attacks and aggression on the internet. And yeah. what we try to do, hey, we welcome discussion and debate. Debate, yes. Uh, name calling and just being a jerkus. Don't, like, don't, do, don't, that. don't do that. Don't be like, a jerkus. Just, just uh, make your point back. Yeah. You know, that that kind of thing. Have civilized discourse yes. about Rick Martell or whatever right, the hell yeah. it is. You know, yeah. things like that. I respectfully disagree, as we've said on this. That's there right, you go. Quinn. And you can do that on Facebook. It really is a fun time. It's a great group. Uh, I honestly really like it. And we have a lot of awesome members there. So check it out, okay? And also, if you like OVP, maybe you've been listening for a little bit. Maybe you've been listening for a long bit. Yeah, Could be any, any bit. Any kind of bit. Any kind of bit. What you can do if you want more stuff more OVP content is go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. What you're going to get there is two entirely separate shows that come out on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. The weekly 1984 canon, which right now we're in the Hulkamania era. Hulkamania has arrived. You mean, you mean Hulkamania? The Hulkamania era, the Hulkamania. yes. Hulkamania. Watch the canon to yep. find out about Hulkamania. Hulkamania uh, has won the world championship for the Iron Sheik. And that's every Friday you get a new episode of us watching championship wrestling from 84. And every month, 
a new pay-per-view review. Right now, the current one is King of the Ring 93, but Quinn and I are boarding the Lex Express very shortly. I, I, I've been on the Lex Express now for a couple weeks. We're doing the um, show from it, actually. Yeah, we're, we're, we're moving. You can, hear, you can hear the wheels turning in the background. It is rolling on through to the, the Palace of Auburn Hills, That's right? right? That's what I hear. Where, obviously, Lex Luger's going to be the world champion. Well, of why would course. he get a van and all this shit or whatever it is? A truck? What? What is it? It's called a bus. A bus? Yeah. yeah. So he got a bus and he's got like a wood paneling on it he and does. a TV, TV and everything. And all those things. But you can join us at the Palace in Auburn Hills uh, anytime. Actually, just sign up. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. You get all the pay-per-view reviews starting at the first WrestleMania. That's if you want to donate. If you don't, that's completely okay. We're not offended. We're not upset. But we thank you for being here no matter what. Now, Quinn, obviously last week we kicked off our new opening segment because it is a new season. Right. And what we're doing this time around, you know, when you think about the all-time greats in wrestling, the Rushmore, if you will, Mm -hmm. you can't help but think of guys like Flair, Hogan, Austin, maybe Harley Race, Dory Fon, a lot of different names come to mind. All these these, um, Mount Rushmore-style people, right? Correct. The, The legends, the Pipers, the Bret Hart's, the Shawn Michaels. However, there were people all throughout wrestling, the golden age, if you will, throughout the Attitude Era and beyond, that played a role and played it so well and provided entertainment and provided good matches or just a good character. And we like to call them the unsung heroes. When this week it's your pick, who are we celebrating? Who's our unsung hero? Well, this week we're going to do an unsung tag team, the Islanders. Oh, man, I yes. love the Islanders. The Islanders. They they were a team that came together under the tutelage of Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah. They include Haku and Tama. Haku and Tama. You stuck your nose in the wrong business, the Islanders business. Now you might be saying, well, I love Haku. A lot of people love Haku these days. A lot of days, people of love course. Haku. The funny part about Haku to me is that he he himself is an unsung hero. He is in his own way, because, right? Honestly, I feel like nobody like nobody that wasn't around during then really knows about Haku. Let's let's be He's honest. not an all time legend or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. He, Although, you know, Japan treats him like, Oh, he's the papa of, of those well, of a big deal, Haku babies or papa, whatever. Papa Haku. Yeah. Uh, and he was obviously well known as Meng in WCW for several years for a long time. But the Islanders folks is one of those under the radar teams from a, a period of time in the WWF and they were around from eighty six to eighty eight. Where the tag division was so loaded with talent, oh yeah, that it was kind of hard to stand out. And by loaded with talent, I'm talking the British Bulldogs, the Heart Foundation, the Killer Bees, the Killer Bees, Demolition, the Rougeau Brothers, Strike Force, or before them the Can-Ams, right? Sheik and Volkov. That's just to name a even, few. Even just the Rockers are the already, Rockers came already in. there. Yeah, like there's young just, Stallions. Young, there's tons of teams. Bolsheviks. A lot that, of different they, teams. I don't count them. <laughs> no one does. They're not good. <laughs> but the Islanders were made up, like Quinn said, of Haku and Tama. Now, Haku had come in in late 85 as King Tonga. Yeah. And, and then he switched his name over around the time of Big Event. King Tonga would like to be referred to in the future as Haku. That is his native uh, name. The Tonga kid was Tama. So the Tonga kid actually has appeared in our 1983-84 canon. He has. Yes. Now, well, he, it, it's weird. He's like in 83. He's, he's there. there. Here is the Tonga Kid, Sandalu Fatu. Now, the Tonga Kid was uh, Sam Fatu, who's actually the fraternal twin brother of Rikishi Fatu, for lack of a, you know, just for distinction. All these people related to Afa somehow? Yes. Okay. And Tama, uh, who came in as the Tonga Kid, 
had a mild run, like briefly interacted with Piper in 84, and then he kind of fizzled out right. and disappeared. But he came back in in 86 as, as the Tonga kid briefly, while Haku was still King Tonga. Then they team up towards the end of 86. Mm-hmm. Well, they're both from Tonga. There you go. Which is funny because the Tonga kid's really from Samoa, but I guess in yeah. canon he's not, right? Well, in canon, both of them are, he's a kid from Tonga and Haku is a king from Tonga. Right. So. But anyway, they team up as the Islanders in 86 as Haku and Tama, or very briefly, Hako and Toma. Hako and Toma, the Islanders! Oh, what two unbelievable, sensational, excuse me, individuals, Hako and Toma! Yes, this, <laughs> this is real. This must be noted. Richard Land explained this, and then we've started to like see evidence of it. Yeah, there's like a big argument between Jesse and Gorilla. I want to say, or it might be Jesse, and, Jesse Vince. and Vince. Yeah, about their names on yeah. like some event. Jesse continued to call him Toma until yeah. like '88, which is very funny. It's not like he's wrong. I know they did call him Toma. They did uh, yeah. initially. So these guys wrestled as a babyface team initially in the short trunks, right. and they were kind of like high flying. And Haku was still very much Haku, except he smiled more. But Tama might be the the unsung star of this team. He's just stand out because he like he'll get in the wrestler's face. He'll he'll talk shit even as a face. Yeah, even as a face. And then like on top of it, he's like bragging into the camera and <laughs> stuff. He's kind of like I don't know. He's just very like enthusiastic, and I I feel like nobody notices this. I never did. Here's the thing, folks, with the Islanders. If you only watched the pay-per-views, like me, I grew up in the 90s as a wrestling fan, so going back, all that was available to me was just the pay-per-views. Rumble 88 wasn't one of them. You couldn't get that anywhere. So the only thing you would see them on would be Survivor Series 87, I think they're on, which I never got to see as a kid, and WrestleMania 4, which is the very end of their run. Yeah, and the Survivor Series 87 I had, it was like clipped up or something. Yes, the Coliseum was very yeah, clipped and Craig up. Craig DeJore just talked, and the Honky Tonk Man, <laughs> yeah. or whatever, like, you know, that one. 100% real, yeah. by the way. The reigning Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man, who says he is the best Intercontinental Champion of all time. So if you just had seen the pay-per-views, you wouldn't see much of the Islanders. You'd be like, they're not that great. But Quinn and I have seen a lot of the Islanders stuff. House shows, they're syndicated. They're superstars. They're awesome. Yeah, they're very, very good. The way the dynamic plays, Quinn, is like Haku is, again, he's just Haku. He's the straight shooter of the team. He kind of keeps Tama, who's... Appear, well, he is a kid, so maybe Tom is supposed to be kind of like young and inexperienced, inexperienced, and the king, the king of Tonga, king. is supposed to kind of you know keep he's him. He's the in wise check. one. Yeah, he's the wise it's one. It's like right? the axe and smash dynamic, right? Right. Yeah. And when they turn heel in uh, the spring of '87, that's kind of the game changer because they go on to be managed by Bobby Heenan. Well, now that I'm managing the Islanders, Haku and Toma, you saw what happened. The Can-Am were defeated, just like everybody else is going to be defeated, because Bobby the Brain Heenan is on a roll. They have a feud that it's supposed to be the Islanders versus the Can-Am connection. Right. Tom Zank leaves right in the, right at the beginning of the feud. Good. <laughs> it, it, Rick Martell needed to be with someone better than Well, that. Rick Martell is with someone better. Tito Santana's like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. So they team up and Rick Martel, we're going to strike with force. Yeah, yeah. We're the strike force. Exactly. You know, right? Yeah. What about the strike force? We're going to strike with them with, with lightning force. And these guys have banger fucking house show matches They're at excellent. MSG. They're very, very good. It's a whole series. They Actually, have, I want to say oh. this about the tag division in general back then. There's like unsung feuds that don't really get seen. That's as one much. of them. Like, for example, like the one I always think of. The Dream Team and the British Bulldogs, but on the house shoes, very circuit, good feud. is way better than like you know what you get at WrestleMania Two, for Correct. example. Yes, 
the Rougeos versus the Killer Bees. Right. When the Rougeos first Killer turned heel. Killer Bees and the Heart Foundation, too, Killer right? Bees and the Heart Foundation never yep. made pay-per-view, but really good. Yeah. And that's this is another one of those feuds where it's the Islanders and the Strike Force feud. It never made a pay-per-view. It was just televised house shows, and they took it around the horn. And these are great matches. Yeah, they're wonderful. They really are. And Tama, as a heel, I've got to go back to Tama. The way he struts, the way he talks, the way He's he brags. very overconfident. It's kind of actually, like, sad that they gave them Bobby, and they kind of, like, didn't really get to talk outside the ring. That's the thing. Right? That's absolutely right. Because the only thing, again, that I had seen was uh, Tama at WrestleMania 4. They don't talk in that. Right. Bobby does all the talking. They just woof in the background. They go woof woof. It's strange to me that, like, they wanted us to perceive the Islanders as, like, more like... Um, Savages. The Wild Samoans yeah, or correct. something. Right? Like, and that's always what I thought Tama was. Always. Right. Yeah. And then you go back and watch, and when you hear him tell, he's like, you know, Rick Martel, fuck you! Yeah, yeah, no, he's very, like, he's very... He's just Amer- like a regular person. He's very American. He is. Let's put it that they way. They don't try to pretend like he's, you know, no. like he can't talk or something, which they sometimes do with the Savage Haku gimmick. Haku a little bit more with the not talking thing. With the, I think that's just because Haku can't really... He's not a good talker. Not that he can't talk, he's just not good at talking. <laughs> you know what that means, Bulldog? That means you're dumb, you're stupid, you're nothing. We are the number one tag team in the WWF. And another thing is, get your English right so people can understand you, fool. But Tama's a great talker. Right, so he- they could have really had Tama carry this team <laughs> here, uh, like talking shit and stuff, and Aku's like, yeah, you're right, you're yeah. something like, you know what I mean? Tama was, uh, he's got a certain spark, a certain charisma that I had never noticed until we, st- until we started going back and watching all these right, yeah. old things. But Tama is awesome. Tama is very good. I've known Haku is awesome, so that wasn't as surprising, right. you know? So the thing that I'm, the next step here with these guys is that I, I feel like they move on to the British Bulldogs, right? After yes. this, and this is kind of the downfall to me. In a way it is, because obviously if you followed 87 WWF, 88, you know that this was Craig DeGeorge's uh, journalistic highlight. Right. So this becomes a feud, first of all, owned by Craig DeGeorge exclusively. He, Pretty he, much. he covers it. In great detail. With gusto. With gusto. <laughs> this is his moment, right? Matilda was uh, taking a leak and the Islanders kidnapped her. And then there's that like updates every week about like, we think Matilda's okay. We're not sure. No, we're the Islander, not sure. The Islanders have run away and, and Bobby's like, don't worry, we're feeding her. But like, we won't give them back until the British Bulldogs fight us or something. It's like, like it, the it's a stu- like they, they like keep assuring us that like, no, 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 we're taking care of the dog. It's like, right. it's not as bad as you think, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and meanwhile, like, Craig DeGeorge's like, how fucking cruel can they be or whatever, you know, like. What an asshole. Yeah. That obviously is a warning, a warning directed at Bobby Heenan and his Islanders. As President Tony wastes no time taking action for a quick and healthy return of Matilda. Who cares? And it's a very goofy angle. Right. Unfortunately, it involves two really good teams that never got a chance to blow it off outside of an attraction match. And on top of it, Dynamite gets like really fucked up, hurt, and he stuff. was at, yeah, he wasn't at his best, right? right. And, and the way they blow it off is WrestleMania Four, which mm-hmm. again, it's more spectacle because they have Bobby in there in the dog suit and Coco is just in it because why not? WWF trunks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I want you to eat his lunch, Matilda, and that yeah. whole thing. Why was Coco in that? I don't know. You know, yeah. they just needed to, to have Bobby pin someone, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. So you wouldn't think much of it if you just watched, again, the pay-per-view version. But after that, what's really unfortunate is Tama leaves. And Tama leaves right around the time where they bring in uh, <laughs> C.V. Afi as a heel Ugh. to be high chief Afi. 
the high chief. The yeah. third Highlander. Okay, so it's so bad. Here's the thing: is where does Tama go? Right? Doesn't he go to like some crappy thing, or does he go to NWA? Or he, he's just not the same anymore. He goes to uh, eventually. He goes over to WCW. I think he actually, you know what? He goes down to Puerto Rico. Okay. Carlos Colon era. Oh, and get traded for the invaders with or that, something. Yeah, <laughs> with that youngster down there. Yeah. And uh, then he comes up to WCW and he uh, teams up with Fatu and Samu. They were there as the Samoan SWAT team. Oh, I if see. You recall. Before they were uh, the, the, other, head shrinkers. the head shrinkers. Yeah. And he comes in as Samoan Savage. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Samu leaves and they become the new Wild Samoans or some crap. But what's interesting about Tama is he actually popped up in WWF. And I think I mentioned this at some point. He filled in for Fatu on a few house shows in 94. Right. Doesn't he make it into some yes! opening thing or something like somehow? <laughs> He's in the 94 Superstars intro. Doesn't this last for quite a bit? Yes. Yeah. He's just there. He's just there because he was filling in and they shot the footage that day. You know, it's 94. We don't have the money to like reshoot this without Tama in it. Right. And obviously Haku became a king. Haku's career is illustrious. It's much more notable than Tama's. But I think the thing that I want to say about Haku in this, this segment, I think Haku doesn't get really good until he goes to WCW. Uh, That's my personal opinion. It's not that he's bad. It's just that he's like underutilized until he goes yeah. to WCW. I agree with that. I would say that the last good stuff he did in WWF was that uh, brief feud with Harley Race was very good. Mm-hmm. I actually like that match. Yeah. After that, he's kind of like he's with the Barbarian and he's kind of like second fiddle. Like, yeah, he's with Andre. Like, he's a tag champ. But I mean, again, he's just kind of he always felt very fill-in. Like he he's still filler. Yeah, yeah. He filler. He's to make the Heenan family look like it has people in it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? He had a little bit of a feud with British Bulldog when Bulldog came back in 90, early 91. But man, oh man, when he goes to WCW and they, they used his, him well, they change him to Meng. Yep. And at first he's like Colonel Parker's bodyguard and yep. he looks cool as shit and he like beats the crap. This is where they like start emphasizing the real life aspect to Haku, which the I tough always, man. Yes. Like WCW kind of took hold of that and they yep. really like worked with it, right? Anytime he'd come out, like Bobby or somebody would comment, it's like, that's like the toughest guy in fucking W. You yep. don't even like understand. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they built up this like mystique about how like, yeah, he beat up fucking Hulk Hogan or some right. shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's just, he's the real toughest man. He's just kind of like hiding it or something. He would no sell chair shots and things right. like that. Yeah. Well, that was later. That like, was later. Yeah. Later in like when, when he's, well, first of all, there's two phases of Haku, right? Well, there's, I want to say there's three. There's like, there's like bodyguard, tough man, hot sunglasses, uh, Meng, right? And then there's Meng and the Barbarian, and that little <laughs> fucking run is the faces of fear, man. The faces of fear run. Oh my god, that is like criminally underrated. That aspect of Haku. That actually is because they were over even as heels. There's points when like they just like take on like NWO people and stuff, and people are like cheering them yeah. like a lot, people and they're like them, and they're like kicking complete ass and like they never get title shots or anything nope it's like nobody can take this fucking team down but it's not about titles for them it's just about every week it's just like who wants to fucking fight us (laughs) like you know what i mean like you haul and nash okay yeah they don't care they don't give a shit it's like and and everyone's like whoa whoa we're not (laughs) we're not touching them harlem heat whatever you know and jimmy's their manager which makes it even better right my face is a fear baby my face is a fear and also the fact that they're remnants of the dungeon of doom they are they're like an extension of the dungeon of doom until like 98 until like 98 and then (laughs) and then like main kind of splits off and is like a hardcore wrestler yeah and then he comes into wwf as kind of the hardcore version with afro but he's just called yeah. haku again which yeah. is a nice like way to button him up yeah you know and that's kind of I mean? the end of haku we As follow a mainstream. both of them tama just kind of faded off in 
into the sunset. He did right after. And I, I guess to wrap up here, two things. Why to me, and I agree with your pick 100% that they're an unsung hero as a team, is again, because they didn't make pay-per-view much. Right. But when you watch their matches on the house show circuit, they're really, really good wrestling matches. Mm-hmm. They're a ca- well. Tama is very charismatic. Haku has that silent badass aspect of them. Right. They're good workers as heel or face. It's can, a it's a good dynamic. It's a too. really good team. Yeah. That just wasn't able to really get much else out of it, other than that few with the bulldogs. And the other thing I need to mention, Quinn, is what? they have a a rare theme, which is your oh, favorite. Oh yes, the rare theme. So there's no clean version of this, but so I'm disqualifying it from rare theme because right now we're hearing way too much of it for it to be rare anymore. <laughs> it's very similar to the head shrinkers. Yeah, there's some noises in there. That are- I was saying to you, this could have been like Kamala's theme. It was just like it was either this or what we got with Kamala, and it ended up being they just gave it to them. Yeah, they were just like because it's. You know how they picked music. It was just like, what do they kind of look like and yeah. sound like? Oh, you know? islands? Okay. Yeah, or Africa? Yeah, it's yeah, like that kind of thing. Anyway, if anyone has a clean version of this ever, please let us know. Jim Johnson, are you out there? Does yeah. anyone have this? Like they say rare. This is why I always make a big deal. Say rare, but there's like, you can hear what it is. I know. On like the internet anyway, so it's, it doesn't it, really matter. It's always fun to, yeah. uh, to get your goat there with the rare themes. It just bothers me. It's like rare themes. <laughs> But you know what? This is a rare team, the Islanders, because they were really good. And in my opinion, Quinn, they are an unsung hero. I think that's a great pick. I think that if you have a chance, if you're ever watching some of that later 87 house show stuff where they're taking on Strike Force, check it out, folks. I really like those matches a real lot. And their promos, when they get to talk for themselves, are fun, too. Anything else on your end there, Michael? No, I believe they're very unsung hero guys. And they're, I don't know, they're a solid team. And I, I, just always like them. Worthy of celebration. Yes, worthy of celebration. Folks, let us know what you think about the Islanders. You can do that, of course, on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, it is the first round of the Royal Flush. That's right. It's the worst celebrities in wrestling. We'll be drawing the first two names. We're going to see where they rank. Royal Flush is coming up right after this. The Islanders, Haku and Toma, and Haku, a lot of wrestlers talk about when they step into the ring against you, it's double jeopardy and that the kicks from your feet are just as lethal as the chops from your hands. Well, it's a long story about my career. When I started as a sumo wrestler, become a judo and become all the those karate things that I learned my five years in Japan. But now, I'm, we're talking about the Islanders here, Kenny, and I appreciate this. Me and the kid here, we know there is... So many, teams. Uh, so many teams out there. You name them: Dream Team, Hard Foundation, the Bees, Bulldogs, 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 Bulldogs. the Sheik, the Bulldogs. And especially the Bulldogs? for you, uh, John Studd and King. John Bundy. Studd and King Kong Bundy. Of course, they're all tough. But let me tell you something, Kenny. We're looking forward to have a chance for the heavyweight championship belt because I know the kid and myself. We can do the job, and we can do it. Very, very fine. Well, Toma, you and Haku combined not only great yeah, that's right. Feet, it's but fly around the ring. Fly? You haven't seen nothing yet until me and the man get warmed up. Everybody wants to know about the Islanders. Well, let me tell you people something. Me and my partner here are from far, far away from the South Pacific, baby. The most beautiful island you can go there on vacation. And if you want vacation, check it out, because that's where you see me and my partner. All tag team worlds throughout the world, throughout the country, everywhere. Me and my partner are ready for the heavyweight belt.
And now back to the best wrestling podcast no one's ever heard of, OVP. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's episode 232, Monday, July the 26th, 2021. Thanks for being with us. Hello, Quinn. Hi. You didn't leave? No, I didn't, I didn't leave. I'm still here. I oh. want to I wanna hear the flush. Yeah, I want to hear do. the flush music specifically. We will get to that flush music, but before we do that, I just want to remind you guys one more time here. If you want extra OVP stuff, you can get it at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Now, Quinn, we don't do this to try to get rich or uh, anything. No, ne- we're not, never. We're not ne- trying to screw yeah. people. Yeah, we don't, we don't do any of that. We're not schemers here. We're not schemers at all. The only thing is $2 or $5. Those are the only two tiers. Mm-hmm. That's it. And the $2 tier is the aforementioned 1984 canon. It really is a fun time. Quinn and I watching every episode of WWF Championship Wrestling in order... Starting in January of 82, and now we are in 1984. Right. It's it, great. It, 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 time has passed. Yep. Um, the Hulk is here. Yep. Get ready to uh, enjoy Hulky Mania. We're going to enjoy Hulky Mania, and you can do that in video form or audio-only form. So if you're thinking, I don't want to watch, well, I can't I don't have time to watch this on YouTube, just listen to it. It'll although, be- although I recommend the watching. <laughs> it, it, it is a video show. If it works for you, you yeah. can do that. But if, yeah. if not, you just want to hear it while you're driving or working or something, you can do that too. It's an mm-hmm. audio form. So you don't have to worry about trying to keep YouTube open to listen to it. It's a great thing on a Friday afternoon when you're like, it's like the, right at the end of the work day and you're like, you work in an office and you can kind of like go. put headphones on and yeah. just like, just put the video on in the background. And it's go. like, hey, what's going on over there? It's only an hour. Yeah, it's only an hour. It's a good show. Last hour of your day. There yep. you go. Every single week it comes out too. Yeah. So you can get that on the $2 tier and the $5 tier includes that and the pay-per-view reviews. Obviously, Quinn and I are doing this one from the Lex Express. We're waiting to get to the Palace at Auburn Hills. So Lex Luger can win the title from Yokozuna. Yeah. Can't I, wait for it's going to be a big moment. Yeah. Um, I can't wait till finally that dastardly Yokozuna yeah. finally loses. That cheater with the fireball that yeah, beat yeah. Hogan. It, it's finally going to happen, really. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is, this is the pay-per-view this for This is it. the one. Luger's going to save America mm-hmm. from Samoa. Because so, Hogan couldn't. Because Hogan couldn't. So you can join us on either of those cannons for just 2 or $5 a month. And my recommendation to you is just give it a try here. Just give it a shot if you don't like it, you don't want it, you just cancel. There's no obligation. There's no minimum stay. You know what no. I mean? You just try it. Sign up. Give it a shot if you want the extra stuff. Now, like we said, if you don't, that's quite all right with us. We're just happy that you're here. All right? Patreon.com slash OVP podcast if you want to donate. Now, Michael. Yes. You're excited. Is it time to hear it? That's it's a almost flush. time, yeah. I, I want to hear it. Well, the Royal Flush is the... Uh, the bad half of the royal rankings, right? For any new people the here. Stinkage the stinkage factor. The stinkage factor. It's that's that's the biggest thing with this. That's right. So last week we debuted the royal rankings. The yeah. best celebrities in wrestling, right? This week will be the flush. And what that is is before the season starts, we ask you the fans to give us a list of your top 10 and bottom 10 of something for this season. It was celebrities in wrestling, not just WWF wrestling in general, right? Then our chief statistician Joe Merkel takes all of the votes that you guys send in. And he puts them into two separate tanks, one for the best, one for the worst. We pull out two names at a time and we alternate each week. Last week, the best. This week, the worst. And by the end of the season, what you are going to have is the definitive, certified, baptized, ordained, non-GMO, and USDA certified organic and healthy. Best and worst celebrities in wrestling. Of all time. Those are a lot of things. It's a lot of things. When it's makes this, it very important. This is a very scientific segment. Oh, this is the most scientific thing we do. This is not biased at all. Remember, Wrestling Observer is 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 waiting for the list to be completed, but, so we got to make this good. Dave will publish this, and yeah. it'll be really important. He's looking through it in his office, Absolutely. sitting weirdly. Looking, 
<laughs> yes, he is. With that said, Quinn, let's talk about celebrities real quick. The good ones do something good for the show or the product or whatever it might right. be. Right. Like yeah. last week we talked about Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. Who did a hell of a job. He wrestled a fucking WrestleMania he, he, main event. He main, main evented uh, the biggest show of the year for them. And he did a great job. He didn't he embarrass excellent. the company yeah. or anything. Yeah. It was right. Wonderful. They could have just kept him. They could have. If they're like, hey, you want to just work here? Like that, <laughs> that probably was on the table. And he's like, no, this shit's too hard. Yeah. I think or, it's, and then nobody cares about this anymore because it's 1995. True. Uh, and then Pete Rose was the other one last week. Again, did right. a great job. Three consecutive appearances. I loved Pete Rose. And he did a great job. How about it? You know? Yeah. Now, the worst, Quinn, is obviously going to be <sighs> did nothing to help enhance the product, right? Who Me? is this person? Why are they here? Who is this person? Like, you know, with celebrities, the big thing always with the flush to me is like a lot of them are like, this is a celebrity. Yeah. Like who? Or what? why? Why are they here? Yeah. What does this person have to do with wrestling? Or maybe they make a total fool of themselves or the, yep. the company or something <laughs> like that. So with that said, it's going to be a lot of fun doing the flush. And Quinn's favorite is to get to hear the new theme right. every season. Rare theme. Rare theme. It's rare because nobody's heard it yet. <laughs> there you go. This is a real rare theme. It won't be rare after Joe plays That's it. That's correct. It. So unrare it. Let's unrare it. Let's go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Flush. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal. Coming up next is the Money in the Bank ladder match. Claire Peller. Uh-oh. For a guy who never shuts up, you sure don't have much to say, mean Gene. Well, not. How much does he weigh, the talker? The Royal Flush, week number one. That was lovely. <laughs> Thanks, Quinn. So you heard some stuff there in the intro. We're going to yeah. see who makes it into the actual flush. You know what's not lovely? Those freaking toilets. <laughs> Every time. Hey! Every time. Whoa. Well, the tank is full, Quinn. No, Got no. a lot of names floating around in there. It's still going. But- okay. So what we're going to do here is we're going to pull out the first two names. Mm-hmm. Quinn, it's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds here because... The possibilities of the worst 10 celebrities in wrestling, <laughs> they're high. It's pretty open-ended here yeah. as far as I'm concerned. There was a lot of crap. There's a but, lot of good ones. I mean, you can't have good celebrities without bad ones. That's right. And you, there's been so many celebrities, so that means you have a lot of bad ones. You exactly, say. This Michael. is how the math works. This is science. We told you yeah. this. So let's find out. Let's find out our first one here. Let's go down to the fans as they count us down for number one. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? <laughs> Quinn, where is the beef anyway? Yeah, where is the beef? <laughs> it's Where's the mic? Yeah. <laughs> so it's Clara Peller, <laughs> or as Mean Gene says, Claire Peller. Claire Peller! By the way, I before the show, we drew her or whatever, right? And I said to Joe, oh, Claire Peller, right? And, and he goes, her name's Clara. And I'm like, what do you mean her name's Clara? <laughs> it's Claire. And then I'm like... Tell me, will you please just Google Claire Peller and tell me who comes up? And it's her also, (laughs) because Gene messed it up. Gene says Claire Peller, but it is Clara Peller. And, okay, so WrestleMania 2, not exactly known as a... uh, (laughs) 
as a WrestleMania for celebrities. You that know, that is the tank of celebrities. Like that is the overflowing poop tank of, of wrestling celebrities is WrestleMania two. There's a lot uh, at WrestleMania two, and Clara Peller is one of them. Now, if you Claire. were if you were around uh, and cognizant in the mid '80s, early mid '80s, you would know Clara Peller as the Where's the Beef lady from the Wendy's campaign in 1984. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. So at the tender age of 81, <laughs> Clara Peller became the spokesperson for Wendy's. Now, why that matters is Wendy's had kind of had a hard time finding its footing in the advertising game against the big two of McDonald's and Burger King. I always say their biggest failing was not like making a cartoon Wendy that was like animated and stuff. Like they should have like went in full on the the like Wendy aspect. I don't think that would have worked because no, McDonald's you don't think was so. No, McDonald's was way ahead in terms of advertising at that time and Burger King was trying things as well. And Wendy's had been around for some 15 years by this point mm-hmm. and we're still firmly the number 3. But this campaign here was actually a very smart one as they had uh you know the big bun with the tiny burger and there's all these right. old ladies, right? Right, the old ladies. And Clara Peller is there. Where's the beef? And that one line, where's the beef, somehow caught on in 1984 to the point where didn't Mondale use it? When I hear your new ideas, I'm reminded of that ad. Where's the beef? (laughs) So what they would do in the commercial, right, they'd be standing next to like Roman pillars or some shit, (laughs) and they'd show all these hamburgers, right? Yep. And from their competition. To make it dumber, they'd be like these gigantic fucking buns and like this like drop of meat, like right. not like yeah, not even so like a, n- not even like a normal sized beef patty at all. Like it was like very tiny. It was tiny. And then she would open the the the, the thing and she'd go, "Where's your beef?" Or whatever. <laughs> and there'd be other old ladies standing next to their yeah. purses and their like glasses and everything. And they'd yeah. be like eyeing it like it's small. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we can't see it. We're so old. The idea being that McDonald's and Burger King had these really small burgers, but Wendy's has Dave's Classic Single and our hamburgers are square or whatever. Yeah, you know what square. I mean? Yeah, that just, was a very big deal. I know, they're just, you know, here's the irony. As, as a fast food connoisseur, they're like just as like thin. Yeah, I know. Like as like the regular ones, they're just spread out because they're a square. And they're fresh. Yeah, they're, they're very fresh. That's in the business. No, no ma- microwaves or whatever he says. <laughs> right. But regardless, this thing worked, right? And yes, this is a wrestling podcast. We're just setting some background here. But this lady, honestly, despite the cuteness and the where's the beef and she's Mm -hmm. old, so it's funny, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or whatever. She wasn't really an actress or anything. Right. This was still going to have a limited shelf life. (laughs) Because everything. How many times was she going to say where's the beef? Right. Right. Yeah. It was was like a 15 minutes of fame situation. It was, right? So by 1985, Wendy's sales have jumped, absolutely. But Clara Peller is still free to do other things. Right. So she decides... a blooming career here. <laughs> she decides to do a commercial for Prego. Now, if you're not familiar with Prego... I don't know anything about this. I know Prego, but I don't know okay. that Claire Peller made it outside yes. of the Burger King canon. She did. Now, Prego was introduced in the early 80s as a competitor to, like, a ragu. Yeah. And this is jarred tomato sauce, obviously. Yeah, doesn't ragu just mean tomato sauce or something? Ragu means sauce, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Prego has Clara Peller come in. Oh, big coup here for Prego. And their jarred sauce has meat in it. Right. And she says in the commercial, I finally found the beef. Aha! Prego Plus, with chunks of ground sirloin beef. Lots of beef. I finally found it. And Wendy's is like, well, you're done. 
<laughs> you know? That, you know, that was a big thing back then, <laughs> by the way, the beef in the sauce jar thing. <laughs> like, I, I really enjoyed it as a kid. Oh, so did I. Of I, course We, we I did. always got that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I grew up on Prego and Rago and shit like mm-hmm. that. Uh, Francisco Rinaldi. Yeah. But anyway, WWF putting together WrestleMania 2, three location extravaganza, of course, mm-hmm. right? That means you need three times the amount of celebrities, Quinn. Oh. Oh. And there's not that many that still want to do this shit after <laughs> WrestleMania 1. Let's be real here. I mean, they didn't have as big names, probably, no. Oh, yeah. So, we decide, you know, for the Chicago portion, mm-hmm. we're going to have this 20-man invitational battle royal with a mix of WWF wrestlers. And Falco. NFL, <laughs> NFL superstars, including Falco, yes. And guess what? Clara Peller happens to be from Chicago. Oh, there you go. So she doesn't even have to travel. Doesn't even have to travel. I mean, she doesn't probably drive at her age anyway. I somebody, think so. You know, she's got, the, got somebody to drive her, yeah. right? Yeah. So they drop her off there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Mean Jean is introducing all the celebrity whatever. I don't even know what she was supposed to be. The, is she a judge? Is she a timekeeper? I think she's so a timekeeper, right? I thought she was right? supposed to be the ring announcer, was she no, not? No, no. She's the timekeeper. She was just supposed to officially say, where's the beef or something. Yeah. So Mean Gene's in there, and he's introducing whoever, right? And then he gets to the lady that's finally found the beef, Claire. Claire. Yeah, Claire. Peller. Who fucks up her name? So then we cut to <laughs> And I feel bad for her. Like, I'm not blaming her. I'm really not. But Somebody <laughs> fucked up the audio guy or something. And, like, the thing is, they don't have a lot of time for her. They, they right? can't be fucking around here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because this is, like, the end of the Chicago portion. Well, near the end. So whoever misses a cue, someone misses a cue, doesn't tell her... So we cut to her sitting there looking like, what? Yeah. And you can't hear anything she says. She's like, now? Now? So she stands up with the mic in her hand. <laughs> and she waves it. <laughs> Instead of speaking into it, she, she waves. She waves the mic as she says, where's the beef? And you don't hear, <laughs> the, the, they hired her to say, where's the beef? And she never gets to say it. And they just kind of move on. A lady who has indeed found the beef, Claire Peller. Now, listen, I, I, I know she's old. I, I understand that. They might not have had microphones back in her day. But she wasn't an actress back in her day. She's just started acting. I mean, if she's 81, right? That means she was born, what, 1900-something? She's, like, she's like 83 by here, right? She oh was born in 1901 goodness. or something. Holy moly. But still. They still had horses back then. <laughs> They did. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Yeah. They had the horse and carriage. Yeah, it was still kind of like competing with the car. Titanic uh, wasn't built yet. Yeah, it didn't even sink yet. <laughs> it's like a decade before that happened. Jeez. <laughs> but, but the point I'm trying to make is that you, you tell her to talk into it. I get why yeah. she's waving the mic as yeah. she says it. Yep. And that's it. And we never see her again. And, and so a- they don't even like get to, do they ever get to make up for it? I know she was maybe on certain, um, like, pre-ads for WrestleMania, wasn't well, she? I don't remember. I think so. Maybe she was. Maybe, like, in, in, like, the update package with Gene or whatever. It's, it's possible. Yeah. But one way or another, Clara Peller is never seen again on WWF television. Right. She unfortunately passes away the next year. Oh, really? Yeah, that was it. Oh, so, I thought she lived longer than that no, afterwards. 87. And in t- kind of what would become typical WWF fashion... She wasn't really relevant by 86. It was kind of just like, haha, remember that? She's a perfect example of that. Yeah. Like them being like, why are they like two years late to the party here? You know what I mean? Exactly. The, the where's the beef thing was at the end of his shelf life. Right. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So overall, it was a bad appearance because it didn't accomplish what it was supposed to accomplish. Right. She didn't say the line into the microphone. Yeah. So it didn't work. Literally, they got nothing out of this. Yeah. And other than a funny moment where she waves the mic like a dork. Yeah. So it's memorable now, I guess, but it wasn't very good. But that's really all there is to say about Clara Peller. There isn't anything else. I mean, it's a bad celebrity appearance simply because they didn't even get the the thing they wanted the out of it. one line out of her, yeah. And yeah. I'm not blaming her entirely. She was old, and whoever was supposed to cure or whatever, didn't, some, like, something didn't work. Some dork messed up. Yeah, some basically. dork messed up. So that's Clara Peller. But let's find out now who drew number two. If it means I never have to see that moron again, get in it. Get in it. All right, we're in. Get in it. Yeah, Jane Leno here. So I think this is a good thing. I don't know why this is on the flush. You know, Quinn, I had a feeling this was going to make it. Yeah, a lot of people hate this. Now, I don't know Jay, why. Jay Leno, WCW, he teamed up with DDP to defeat Eric Bischoff and Hollywood Hogan at Road Wild 98. Right. Now, I got to. <laughs> there's a lot of angles to approach this one. The first thing I'm going to say is. If you're maybe not American, you might not know or care who Jay Leno is. Right. So you might need to explain who. I know that sounds crazy, but there is a lot of people because the Tonight Show is more of a. Right. It's more of an American American thing. NBC canon, et cetera. They have their own crap over there in England as as far as TV shows. Yeah. They're they're called presenters there. They are. And they have David Frost and all these other people. But anyway, Graham Norton is that one of them. Right. You bloody wanker. Hey, Union Jackass. The only thing bloody here will be your face if you keep it up. I heard your boyfriend is the one that can't keep it up. In it true, you United States slag. That's pretty funny. Why don't you go lose another war? Gravel teeth, right? Get out of here with your nif bullshit wanker dentist sunshine wawa boo mama mawa wee warite mate cheerio. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but Murica, be Jay Leno, for those of you that might not know, was actually up until he took over The Tonight Show full-time mm-hmm. from Johnny Carson in 92, was regarded as a very, very good stand-up comedian. He was one, one of the premier of the stand-up best. comedians in America up to that point. Absolutely. And you may not know it anymore because like people like Jerry Seinfeld and like oh, other, a ton. other Rock, comedians exceeded him afterwards. I feel like his stand-up career was kind of stopped the moment he became part of The Tonight Show. He became more of a... A big media figure. You have to become more of an all-around, you know, tame entertainer. There was no more dirty stuff that you expect from stand-up or anything. He couldn't do that anymore. No, and he didn't. Uh, He still did his stand-up in the club circuit, but not on TV. So, with that said, Jane Leno was a hot property in the 70s and especially into the 80s, and he made a lot of guest appearances on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and on Late Night with David Letterman. Right. Plenty of them. There's actually great compilations out there that I've definitely watched just to get a feel for this era of Jay Leno. He's very funny during that period of time. Very, very unique and, and very popular. They always say they care about people. Give me an idea how much they care. You ever go to 7-Eleven? They have their handicapped parking across the street. <laughs> actually, actually, this is the best time to go to 7-Eleven. Anytime after midnight. Then it becomes like a Fellini casting call in this place, you know? All sorts of trolls and mutants wandering through the aisles. People with no birth records of any kind, you know? They, they, they always have some sort of a druid slumped over the register there. Mm-hmm. He had the Doritos commercials. Yep, he, right. he, was, he was a big deal prior to being part of the thing. Right, so when he took over The Tonight Show, Letterman still had one year left and was right behind him on Late Night. And this led to the uh, Tonight Show Wars, and we're not going to get into all that, but the bottom right. line is a lot of people, a public opinion, 
a lot of people thought it should have been Letterman to get the Tonight right. Show. So there, th- this this adds to the resentment you may see if you again if you don't know about this. Correct. Of w- why people don't like Leno as much this as Letterman ver- because it was felt that the successor to Johnny Carson should have been Letterman, who was his you know follow up in the lineup, and that should have been the tradition. Right? Correct. Because that was ten years that he was behind him. There's there's things that you know people talk about. I think there's even like a like a documentary on this there and is. everything. I've about seen it. How like they promised it to Letterman and then they went behind his back and got Leno and like all yeah, this bullshit. It's a very complicated matter, but the the ultimate decision by NBC was Jay Leno. Right, right? Jay Leno. So Letterman at the end of his contract goes over to CBS. He says, "Fuck this! Cause mm-hmm. They screwed me. I'm out of here." Right, and, and now there's like a competing late night show, Correct. which there wasn't. Kind of NBC put themselves in this position. Yes, and they knew it. They knew they, they kind of fucked up. They fucked up, and they were like, "Oh God, he's going to go to the competition." Yep. And now, like Leno is actually going to the Tonight Show is actually going to have to compete, and it's not going to be just Joan Rivers right. on Fox anymore <laughs> and shit like that. Good one, Quinn, yeah. or Pat Sajak, right? Yeah, somebody who can't like compete, who, who had no chance. Yeah, so. Before the Monday Night Wars, we had the Tonight Show Wars, Leno versus Letterman head to head. And for the first almost, for about two years, maybe 18 months, Letterman dominated. Right. Because again, Letterman was kind of the fresher act at the time. Leno had significantly just became kind of mundane and toned down. He had to water down what he was doing. Ironically, the hottest comedian in the world probably bigger than Letterman has to yeah. become like lower himself. Yeah. And now he can't compete with Letterman, which they didn't expect to happen right. in the first place. You right? got to reach middle America. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? Whereas Letterman had more of that, uh, quirky sensibility yeah. that Conan O'Brien, very New York. Yeah. Very New York. Yeah. Very, very wacky, underground off the wall. Offbeat. Like, like kind of like, Second City stuff. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. Like going to Taco Bell and like, uh, making yeah, fun. yeah all that this kind of, cool oh, shit. Yeah. Right. So anyway, the reason we're saying all this is it wasn't until around 1995 when Leno had Hugh Grant on there, and this is when Hugh Grant big deal. with the prostitute or whatever yeah, it was. He, he, there was some kind of like scandal. <laughs> yeah, he, he got picked up for uh, picking up a prostitute or something, and and Leno says, "What the hell were you thinking?" Let me start with question number one. <laughs> what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> For whatever reason, that did it, and now Leno continued to dominate, right? Just asking him what the hell he was thinking. Right. But to the average demo of WCW, probably, or WWF at the time, Jay Leno's lame. He's old. He's got the gray hair. He's unfunny. He looks weird. You know what I'm he saying? He likes classic cars way yeah, too much yeah, and stuff. And I would denim, you know, yeah. and all this weird stuff. He's just not cool. He's Leno's not, not cool. He's not hip. Yeah. Letterman still kind of was, but like a guy like Conan O'Brien by the mid late 90s was becoming like with the, the kids, cool late night yeah, guy. Definitely. Yeah, with this demo, though, the yeah. college demo. Right. The 18 to 34. Conan was the big underground. Right. Like he was like, he was on it like after midnight or something. Correct. Like it was like one in the morning he, when he, he was, was on. He was a goofball. He was yeah. funny. He was edgy. So Leno was like, who the fuck is. It's like your parents watched Leno. Right. Maybe. However, I think for WCW, this is huge, right? Agreed. This is big. Because that's the thing. It's like, while we make fun of him in the demo or whatever, yeah. everyone fucking knows who Everyone who knows Le- who he is. Yeah, everyone knows who he is. It's like one of the rare times where a celebrity appears on wrestling, and he really is a big deal. This like, is Jay Leno, yeah. whether you like him or not. Right. For six years by this point, he's been hosting The Tonight Show every night. Let me put it to you this way, and, and this might be more of a legend. It's as if they got Johnny Carson to wrestle. Like, it's a yeah. huge thing. Yeah. Leno never was as big a name, but a very similar vibe. And again, if you, if you don't know who Johnny Carson, he he preceded Leno, and he is, like, considered in late-night lore or whatever. 
as the like the best of the, all time. The best of all time. Yeah, Thirty years he did. Thirty it. years he did the show. He right. was a big fucking deal. And actually, if you want to know more about this, I know CNN has done a whole documentary on late night, like following every single it's one. Great. And if if you're interested, UK fans in American yeah. late night and how there's like a big long history to it. Right. So. Absolutely. No. Well said, Quinn. Yeah. So Leno was a big name. I mean, his show aired on NBC. Uh-huh. Network television. Everyone gets NBC. Right. So the cross promotion is very simple. Hogan appears in character, obviously, on The Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. And Bischoff. You know something, Leno? You're a real stupid little man. You know, you come out here every week cutting on me, brother. But the, no, no, no. Let me just tell you. The bottom line is this is all serious business, joke man. You cross the line. I cross. I went- no, no, listen. You cross the line between personal and business. And they basically threaten Jay Leno, and they have right. this whole like hostile takeover. Miss Elizabeth there or something, or is this? You like, know, I think she is yeah, actually for some reason. And it basically turns into an angle that, however many millions of people were watching the Tonight Show, they're all seeing this. Now they're aware. They're like, wait, first of all, those fans probably don't even know Hulk Hogan turned heel. Right. right. Yeah. yeah those possibly. people are like, they're like, wait, why is Hulk Hogan dressed up like in black and he's, he's he mean, mean and stuff? Why is he like challenging Jay right. Leno to a fight? Right. What the fuck is this shit? And it, then, and then like they, now all of a sudden you have a mainstream audience to like, Jay Leno's going to fight a wrestling match. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I got to, I got to order that. Well, yeah, well, I got to see that. Seriously, though, because. Hulk Hogan was still very much known in the mainstream pop culture by 98. Oh, yeah. Even if, like you said, Quinn, people probably just still envision him as WWF red and yellow. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and, and just kind of like a big nice person right. or whatever on a motorcycle. And Hogan had done The Tonight Show before while in WCW in the red and yellow. He had, right. he had been on The Tonight Show before. It wasn't mm-hmm. his first time. Does your license say Hulk? Sure. No, it doesn't. It says Terry. Terry? Terry Hulk Hogan. Oh, they know Terry. that, man. That's no surprise. Yeah, they know that. So we're building towards Road Wild, of course, you know, the pay-per-view where they just give the tickets away to the bikers for free. So, so that's first of smart. All, can I say that this is oddly a smart move by WCW? And it is. I, because Jay Leno is a huge motorcycle, motorcycle person. Yes. And, you know, Hulk Hogan rides motorcycles. There's a lot of motorcycles here. My wide glide. <laughs> yeah, it, this, this pay-per-view oddly fits Jay Leno a lot. Half of me wonders if Jay Leno just wanted to go to Sturgis because he's a motorcycle enthusiast and said, like, yeah, what are they doing over there? Like, you know, like maybe he saw them at Sturgis the previous year. That's not bad. That's a pretty good idea, though. That's something to do, right? (laughs) (laughs) Make a little extra money while I'm there. (laughs) So so let's be honest here. It's it's not a bad gig. You're right. This fit again, it fits Jay Leno. It does. Yeah. The only problem is that perception, Jay Leno is lame. The perception is that Jay Leno is a fucking talk show host. He's got gray hair. He's, he's kind of old. He's yeah. He's in his late forties. He looks older. You yeah. know what I mean? Honestly, he's like forty eight here or something like that. Forty seven. But he looks older than that. Yeah. You know, like he always did, especially with his competition being like hip and young. Yeah. So it's just very odd in people's minds. But I will. So you have a lot of young people fans who are like, "This is stupid." Right. right. And so now I, you know, why it's on the flush, right? Right. And especially again, this is for the international crowd. We really have to like explain things. Yes. So if you if you don't understand, right? But to Leno's credit, when they show up for this tag match at Road Wild, this match, by the way, completely overshadows World Champion Goldberg, which again, uh, yeah. You know, my point I've always made to you, Quinn. I do, I do like to, I, I do like to say here with WCW, they were kind of in a weird bind in this case, particularly, because the Goldberg stuff had just happened. A month earlier. And 
they did their best. You have to give them a little credit. They did the best to try to fork it so that they were completely separate things. Oh, they on forked the, on the show. Yes, they, they they really wanted to say like, here's Goldberg's time and here's our celebrity time. Yeah, no, you I know. know what I mean. They they really made an effort to do that. I agree. Yeah, but I'm gonna give Leno some credit. He showed up. Mm-hmm. He did his end of what he should have been doing. Yeah, he he re- he showed up. He did a wrestling hold, and he people did. were like, "Whoa!" Like <laughs> Jay Leno can wrestle. He sold offense from Bischoff and Hogan. And again, to like the majority of America, this was very entertaining and, and funny, and like it, it, people liked it. Yeah. And the tag to Jay Leno. Bischoff DDP. And now is it the Tonight Show versus? Like, look, I'm not saying that Jay Leno is, like, an interesting choice. You know what I mean? In terms of looking at him on screen. He's not intimidating. It's a circus-like thing. But it's, it's just, like yeah. a, It's a very, like, this celebrity that has no <laughs> business wrestling in a ring is going to do put Hulk Hogan in an arm hold. And they, like, you know what I mean? And, like, that's... And Hulk's going to sell like he's getting killed. And they did a decent enough job justifying it in kayfabe, which is that Bischoff is not a wrestler. Right. And DDP was intensely training with Kevin Eubanks. Remember, he's there, mm-hmm. and he hits the diamond cutter on Bischoff or something. Yeah. And uh, Leno, and DDP trained them and all that. So it makes enough sense storyline-wise where you could believe that Leno was, like, looking out for what he could do and where to capitalize and being strategic. I'm- Honestly, I feel that what WCW did to it, they took the Mr. T model and applied it to Jane Leno, oddly. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that, like, yeah. Hogan was training yeah. this guy and... And DDP, the DDP's in the Hogan role now is the right. face. He's training his guy. Yeah, and they kind of took that approach to it. They and, said, "What? What?" And I'm sure Hulk Hogan, because he's involved with it, understood how to like handle it. Of right? course. I mean, you got to give Hogan credit too. He sold the fuck out of the whole thing. Hogan right. and Bischoff sold this whole thing. And, and DDP. It, yeah, and DDP. It's not an all-time great angle, but I do think it's a very smart one by WCW. It's the '90s equivalent to Mister T. It's WCW attempting to do WrestleMania One that style. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's fine. It's it's perfectly acceptable. It's just a lot of hardcore wrestling fans look at it and like, this is fucking bullshit. It's and, because it's Jay Leno. Right, yeah, they hate it. I really think that's why. I'm what, not, like, if it was Conan, for example, like, or, or like, <laughs> Letterman, like, would it have been better? Like, that's what I don't understand. Well, I think a lot of people probably feel that the, uh, you know, talk show host shouldn't be wrestling. Right. But what would be like if they wanted to make it like T? Is there any athletic type celebrity person from like if it was like fucking Tommy from Power Rangers? Or <laughs> I'm trying to like think of somebody who like knew karate and was famous or I something. Don't know. Like Billy Blanks, Quinn. Yeah, I don't I, know. That's what I mean. It's Tony like, Little. What else do you want? Those people aren't as big as stars. Chuck Norris. Yeah, but it was a one time angle. It was right. a well built angle. I'm not gonna lie. This did good for them. It did. It was fine. It helped them stay relevant <laughs> against <laughs> WWF when they were kind of going down. I mean, right? yeah. To to give you perspective, I mean, this is the same month as SummerSlam '98. I think it did about almost half the buys. Maybe not quite half. Right. As SummerSlam, WWF was clearly on the upswing and hotter. I can't blame WCW for giving this a crack. Yeah. I'm not saying it was great. I'm not saying it was perfect, but this is still when the things that WCW was trying to do to give a crack at fighting back were still somewhat working. Like yeah. they, were, they were able to like fend off WWF for most of 98. And would you say that Leno embarrassed them or did a bad job? No, I wouldn't. I can't I can't in all honestly honesty say that. Yeah. Like you know, like I, I really can't because it is what it is. Right. It's, you're getting what you're getting. And if you again, if you're the hardcore wrestling fan, they attempted to give you both things. They they said there's there's a good match with Goldberg and there's yeah. a match with Hulk Hogan yeah. and Jay Leno and bullshit, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. No, I agree. I agree. 
I think that Leno is the biggest reason why this is on here because it's Leno. Right. The performance itself and the way the angle was built, I really have no problem with any the, of that. The downer with this is that this gave WCW like car blanche to like bring in like Kiss Demon and like all this other horse shit. <laughs> Bunch that, of bad stuff. Yeah, you know? like this to me, this is what like set WCW off into the like, we're gonna use celebrities now, like David <laughs> Arquette and things. Yeah. Well, maybe. So it wouldn't have made my rankings as one of the best celebrities. I don't. But think. I, I don't think it would have made my flush. I don't think so either. Yeah. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Well, um, now, I, now it does because yeah, unfortunately, but been I, voted in. I think this is going to be the one Quinn where we don't even really have to talk about it. I think Clara Peller is way worse. It's worse because, like we they said, they don't even get the thing that they right. wanted out of it. The one deliverable that they needed out of yeah. her, they don't even get it. At least with Jay Leno, he actually like delivered. Yeah, don't send your cards and letters into the Sting. <laughs> <laughs> mailbox or yeah, whatever right, right. like the sting hogan mailbox but he, whatever for for a non-wrestler and again jay leno's not an intimidating person he doesn't look athletic he looks like someone's dad yeah but he did a good job i'd say uh, he did the best with he, he was a professional he, yeah, right like that's all which is what you expect he is a fucking professional right <laughs> he wasn't there side-eyeing the camera and yeah. smirking and acting like this was all bullshit he, uh, he treated it real and honestly claire is exactly what you get because she isn't a professional she's an old lady they casted <laughs> yeah which, let's, let's just say one thing it was the dumbest idea anyway to put her in there because two years past relevancy practically yep and why like why okay so she can say where's the beef so mm-hmm. Yeah, like so you know, it's just like a. Doofus. I mean, with, with the the track record already wasn't good at that pay per view with uh, Joan Rivers doing the Ace Comedy Funny Man. Like even the even the professionals weren't getting things right. What do you, got, yeah, what do you expect out of Claire over and here? You got Cab Calloway for no reason. Yeah. You got Herb. Yeah, all these people. It was a very bizarre lineup at two, and this just fits it to a T. Yep. Uh, no pun intended, but yeah, Leno he tried, man. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that he was Jay Leno. He was from the Evil Empire. He was the one that shouldn't have gotten the Tonight Show. You know, he was the lame one, the stupid one. I you think know? you know. On, that's on a, why. On an aside with all that, I think it's so funny that the same shit played out when Jay Leno left. You know, with Conan. Oh, in two thousand nine. Yeah, and Conan and, and, got the and Tonight Jimmy, Show. Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon ended up getting the Tonight Show. That's not, cr- eventually, not yes. Conan. No, Conan got it. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. It was like similar though. Conan got it for like three months and they were like, we don't like this or something. And then they just got rid of him and he went to TBS or some shit. <laughs> he did. He, Ironically, which, the WCW channel. Yeah, that's very funny. TBS. Very funny. Okay. So Clara Peller's definitely number one, right? Yeah. Because you, you, can, you can't hear what she said. Yeah. And, and she waved the mic. Literally did nothing. Jean got her name wrong yeah. and it was pointless. Every single thing went wrong. <laughs> right. Whereas with Leno... Everything hey, went to plan, at tried, least. Yeah. yeah, if you don't like Leno, I'm not going to convince you to. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that you should like him. If you don't think that talk show hosts should be wrestling, I'm not going to argue with you. But, hey, he tried. He took it seriously. He did. He did what he was there to do, and he did a pretty good job, in my opinion. So, that'll do it for the first week of The Flush as we uh, kick off week one here. <laughs> this music, why did I pick this? I don't know, it's like extra donkey. <laughs> At number one, Clara Peller, where is the beef? I don't know, because we can't hear her ask. At number two, it's uh, Jay Leno in WCW. Those are the first two on the board, folks. Let us know what you think, who should be where. You can do that, of course, on Twitter, at OVP Podcast. You can shoot us an email or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, speaking of WCW, speaking of 1998, we're reviewing something. It's WCW Nitro from 1998. That'll be coming up right after this. Well, howdy. Let me guess. You've been waiting for Cool Ranch flavored Doritos, and I can't say I blame you. Uh, 
creamy, cool ranch seasonings. And those ingredients, what are we talking there? Maybe a tomato, an onion or two? See, see, this is what your storytellers might call a cornucopia of nature's treasures. And that's why no other chip tastes like Cool Ranch and no other crunch can jumpstart your horse. Cool Ranch flavored Doritos brand tortilla chips. One heck of a crunch. Hello, wrestling fans. It's time to shout out our friends of the show now. These are other independent podcasters that do their best each and every week to put out a unique program focusing on old wrestling, kind of like OVP. Let's start with the best of Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking filthy. We're talking unprofessional wrestling podcast. We're talking about booking the territory where you will get your fix of the NWA each week. And then for a whimsical journey led by one man, Pete Winson, Check out Greetings from Allentown. It might be WWF, it might be WCW, it could be Mid-South. So check out our friends of the show. We're talking about booking the territory and Greetings from Allentown. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode 232. Quinn is still here with me. He just got done looking for the beef. I was I couldn't find it. You couldn't? I had a magnifying glass. It was Damn. really hard. Sucks. Uh, but folks, we have been looking for review suggestions, and over on our Facebook group, what you can do is put in specific episode review requests. That's pretty much, Quinn, exclusively what we've been doing for a long time now. Oh, yeah. We're just taking your requests. Go to the announcement post. There is one there. It says specific episode review requests. It's very easy yeah. to find. The only rule is it has to be an hour. It has to be like an, a one-hour show, meaning it could be... um. You know, like a super, like the syndicated, it could be a one hour version of something. It doesn't really matter as long right. as it's an hour or less. Yes. But, that's what but, we do. But this week we have an oddity. We do have far, an oddity. Uh, as far as that is concerned. And I'm not talking time. about Golga. No. Thank you. Mike Prue sent this one in, Quinn. Mm -hmm. And this is WCW Monday Nitro. Yes. Not a one hour show. Well, after the first couple months. Right. May 18th, 1998. At this point, Nitro was long a two hour show. Oh, it had been for quite some time. For like two years. Yeah. But occasionally, uh, Nitro would be not preempted, so to speak, as far as pushed earlier to 7 p.m. because of the NBA playoffs now, on TNT. I want to give WCW some credit here in a weird way. If you recall, when the WWF would get preempted, they would not They would just not be fucking on. Yeah, well, it so helps the, when, they, they when the just, boss owns the network! Right, but I mean, you knew, you, we know how like TNT really liked WCW a lot in the behind the scenes, so like I'm surprised they didn't just shut them down. Shut who down? WCW for the week. Well, because I'm sure Turner Turner still had influenced by 98, right? This we're, we're getting to the borderline here. It's borderline. <laughs> I forget what the, the exact timing, but I feel like it's late 98 or something when they start to like lose influence in the boardroom. We're getting close. Yeah. We're getting close. So anyway, we had a one-hour Nitro here, which is right in our wheelhouse as far as doing a review. And May of 1998, I was still flipping. Yeah, I was May, still firmly with WCW as, as well as WWF, yeah. of course, as I, with both. But I'm just saying, I was still like... You know, I had the, the return button yeah. or whatever on my remote. I was probably leaning more WWF as my default and then only going to Nitro in commercials generally. I will, yeah, I will say this. When WCW would do one of these one hour because of the NBA things, I would actually like pay more attention to the first hour of Nitro because I felt like, oh, I can get all of it. Right. Right. And then I'll get the majority of the WWF. See, you know I, what I mean? That's how I would approach it. When Nitro was pushed to 7 p.m., you know, mm -hmm. 
in times like this, I didn't even watch it. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't watch the one-hour nitros. Oh, see, I liked them better back then because then it, it, I could watch almost all of it, and then then watch Raw, and then Ross could tell me on on Warzone or whatever <laughs> the, whatever they called the second hour. It's like like Stone Cold came out and he stunned someone or whatever. You know, king, you're king. You know what I mean? You know how we do that? Like at the beginning of the first hour, yeah, because like, it was a second you, show. Folks, you will not believe what happened in the first hour. And, and then King was there, yeah, because he wasn't there for the first hour for a little bit. Remember. Yeah. It's like Kevin Kelly or Cole for a little while. Oh, this is so scary. <laughs> yeah. You know that shit. Yeah. So anyway, this is uh this is a period of time for WCW that I still liked. I did catch a lot of their programming in '98. I am of the opinion, as much as Quinn is as well, that despite the complete horrible debacle that was Starcade '97, mm-hmm. that Goldberg and a few other things were still very big bright spots in 1998 WCW. WCW was still cooking here. Yeah, they were. They were not. They shouldn't be written off the day after Starcade '97. In no. my opinion, I mean they deserve to be, but thankfully they had Goldberg. They and, had a lot and of a stuff still left in the, the, in, the tank. Sh- in the tank to show yeah. us. They did, and we're going to actually cover some of those things and some things that I completely forgot about. You right. know, <laughs> honestly. So with that said, here. To give you the other side of the coin real quick, May of 1998, WWF was really, really on a roll. Oh, they were they were hot. Yep. We're coming off a of backlash, which was uh, the first Dude Love Austin main event, mm-hmm. where Dude Love had now been a heel. Were they still in your house backlash or whatever? Yes, they yeah. were actually, but it was very, very being pushed to the side, the in your house branding. Good. And then we're building towards the first over the edge, which was going to be the rematch between Dude Love and Austin, yeah. which was even better in my opinion. Both matches are really good. So WWF's got the face. DX is just about turning face. They've right. done the tank and all that shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a hot period for them, too. Let's find out what's going on in WCW in condensed one-hour format. It's WCW Monday Nitro. This is suggested by Mike Prue, big fan of the show and big friend of the show. Check out Prue's bottom line cast. It is May 18th, 1998 Nitro. 98 Nitro, one hour. Sign me up. I'm in. Seriously, yeah. Quinn. I'm with you. I, I, no uh, hesitation. Ra- rapid fire <laughs> yep. Nitro. Yep. Let's do it. Let's do it. And we get a cold open here with Stills from Slamboree, which was last night, where the Giant and Sting took on the Outsiders. Yeah, Stills, because we're still doing that. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. While Nash was trying to powerbomb the Giant, Hall... Turned on Nash, and Sting got very sad about that. <laughs> Why Sting? You think like Nash would be more upset well, <laughs> as like best friend or whatever? Because Hall and Nash are faces here, right? I think, yeah, because they're supposed to both be in the Wolf Wolf. Kind they're of. They're in the the brand new Wolf Wolf. Did, I don't remember. Did Hall ever make a proper decision that he was in Wolf Wolf? Yeah, this what? was the only time he was in Wolf Wolf for like a second, very briefly. Yeah. And the deal with Sting is Sting is a face, but he's teamed with Giant, who has joined the NWO again, I think. I think. I don't know. This is very convoluted and horrible I as much Sting of this stuff is. I Sting was in the wolf. Not yet. Oh, this is how he became the wolf. Yeah, because he has the black and white right, still. You yeah. gotta look at the face paint. Yeah, I know. I thought I thought the red, though, happened already. No. Oh, okay. Anyway, we get the usual Nitro intro now, which, you know, the ground is on fire, the traffic lights are exploding. I gotta say, the 1995 intro proudly still alive at this point is, <laughs> is <laughs> like in 98, like even showing like Lex Luger 96 <laughs> yeah. edition or whatever, or the like puffy shirt one or whatever he is. The only thing, <laughs> puffy shirt, oh, pirate. Yeah. I don't want to be a pirate. So we're welcome here to Providence, Rhode Island at the Civic Center by Tony Schiavone as the pyro goes off. Tony Schiavone says that last night the wrestling world was turned on its ear. It's a little ham-fisted. It's just a heel turn in the 90s. Like, calm down. <laughs> like, it's pretty common. And literally, the wrestling world turned on its ear. 
tonight the wrestling world turns on Raw later. Right. Uh, anyway, we go to the ring where Eric Bischoff is in the ring wearing a stupid red crown. And Mike, He's on a motorcycle. Yes. Yeah. And Mike Tanay's cheesy voice is heard. Now, hi, Tony. I'm here, too. Ugh. I guess he's uh, declared himself the king. Bischoff says, it's good to be the king. Don't jinx it. Can <laughs> he not jinx right now? It is so good to be king. So then he ponders his future here in the sport that he loves. As the crowd chants, we want hugs or something. I have no idea. I had what no they, idea. what they, I thought they were saying we want Hogan, weirdly. I, was like, I couldn't figure out what they meant. 100 weeks. As Bischoff says that his professional television record is 98-2 and two over the past 100 weeks. Why is he jinxing himself, Joe? <laughs> like, why is he doing this? You know, it really isn't a good look. I'm just going to be honest yeah. for him to be out there talking about the ratings. Yes. Like, it really isn't. Because then everyone's like, ha ha, when you lose, like, yeah. you, know, you just don't even mention it, right? Just, just shut up. Yeah, just don't even mention it. Just keep doing your thing. He says his in-ring record is 2-0 and because, you know, he defeated Larry Z at Starcade. Yeah, don't forget that. And, and also he's defeated Vince McMahon. <sighs> don't poke the fucking bear, you fool. <laughs> so let me just uh, explain what he's talking about, folks, in case you forgot. Mm-hmm. He had promoted for a few weeks leading up to Slamboree. That uh, was it, Slambury? Yeah, it must have been right because he, this is, he's bragging last night. That yeah, Vince McMahon didn't show up or whatever. That he was going to uh, challenge Vince McMahon to a fight. I gotta say, the vignettes were fun because they did it in that NWO style, yeah. and it was like that. And he's like, he's kind of like warming up or whatever, yeah. and he's kind of like Vince McMahon. Come on, like yeah. you know what I mean? Like he's like cha- like trying to go to Matt. Just let, let, let's just settle in the ring, man. Like yeah. you know, like he was doing that. Like he's so cool. As if Vince is going to be stupid enough to promote WCW. Yeah, you know what I mean. But every week on Nitro, Eric kept calling him out. Yeah, on, on these, these these vignettes. All that, that does, looked really cool, by the they way. Were great. It was, no, the vignettes were great, but all that does is remind people that Vince McMahon exists and owns WWF. Right. But I will say, a lot of fans who were, you know, did, they didn't really know the business. They just, maybe they watched wrestling every week because yeah. it was very popular, but they didn't really care beyond the show. No, or whatever. they didn't care. They probably think they're like, those fans are probably like, holy shit, this fucking guy's like calling out Vince. I wonder if they're going to fight. Like, right. No, I know. Like a normal person who doesn't care about any of the behind the scenes stuff yep. is like, oh, wow, like is Vince McMahon going to like actually fight Eric Bischoff at Slamboree? Sure. They might have ordered the pay-per-view thinking sure. that was going to happen. Sure. And, you know, WWF did their share of this shit, too, by showing the WCW building and doing all the DX. Yeah. So I guess they were both doing it. They but were both kind of doing it. This is Bischoff's kind of return yeah. volley. What's funny is, is Bischoff brags about defeating McMahon. The crowd boos. So maybe Vince is the face here. Yeah. Because they are in Rhode Island, which is WWF territory. That's true. So it's kind of funny. Anyway, Bischoff rambles on here on this one hour about he called out Vince, did all he could do to get him there. But now it's time to look to the future and what the future holds for him is a record better than Goldberg's. Please stop. <laughs> Please stop. He's I gonna, beg you. He's going to chase the dream, Quinn. Oh, is he? That, he doesn't say I, what I don't get dream. what that means. He just says yeah. that vaguely. Uh, and then he thanks everyone and leaves to Big Booze. Yeah, this was really profitable. Didn't they lose next week or something? They actually tied next week, believe uh, it or not. When is the butts and seats like soon or something? No, it's January. Oh, okay. Because it's just, it's all like, in my head, it's all very muddled. It's like... Bischoff with the crown, and then they lose or they, something. They, like, t- they tied the next week. WWF went on a streak of winning for a while. WCW broke that with the Goldberg-Hogan thing, because that's mm-hmm. important, winning one fucking Nitro. Then WCW pre- proceeded to lose the next four in a row after the Goldberg-Hogan right. thing, and they traded back and forth a bit, and then I, WCW went on business. I blame WWF's like, 
Monday Night War series for muddling this history. There's like they they show in quick succession from my memory of Bischoff with a crown. Yeah, of course they do. Then somebody chimes in, oh, they lost next week or something. And then like they're like, then butts in the seats is shown. It's all like And then they go out of business. Yeah, it's like it's all like crammed (laughs) together. Like it all happened like a couple weeks in a row. Well, history is rewritten by the winners, Michael. Yeah, it's true though. They, They try to peddle this like that, like this Bischoff thing. Like they lost right away. No. Like the butts, all the all these mistakes happen one after the other. No, but it was a stupid idea, right? Larry Zabisco now butts in to say that this whole segment sucked. As Tanae gets all hissy, uh, hey Bischoff compared himself to Goldberg. He shouldn't do that, Tony. Yeah. Anyway, this edition of Nitro is brought to you by Valvoline because wrestling, of course. All right, we're back now. Where Mean Gene is at the end of the ramp here with his glasses on. Here's the Nitro Girls. Oh, so they come out, the Nitro Girls, on this one hour. Nitro. Yeah. Whisper Hickenbottom is with them already in case you care when Whisper was there. She's yeah. here. Whisper. She's there. But this, uh, this Kimberly's the big lead though, She's right? still the lead, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gene lets out a whoa before the music stops. Whoa! I'm going to say this. I miss the Nitro Girls. It's like a stupid thing that makes it like kind of like a party circus atmosphere. Circus. Yeah, circus atmosphere, but it also adds to the party thing too. I just... I, I don't know. I know people like don't like this, and maybe nowadays it doesn't fit with the whole kind of vibe of like the women, women are wrestlers. Yes. Yeah, but I I don't know. I even I could just go for some kind of kind of like entertainment in the middle middle of the show, like dancing. And Isn't the show long enough? Yeah, but it, yeah, but like, it don't need, you, what are we doing? It, it needs a little filler, to be <laughs> quite honest with you. And like literally these these segments, these Nitro Girls, you say like it's like too long. It's like thirty seconds. Well, most this of them, one they yeah. shortened it. They're most usually of, like two minutes. Uh, I, I feel a like minute? they never exceeded a minute. Mostly, a minute. it was like ah ha ha, and then they're like <laughs> dancing and stuff, and there's like lights and shit, and like it's and just, they look very smug into the camera. And yeah, then they they, leave. they're like we're cool, and then they like and then they like pose, and then just like walk away. And I'm like, this is perfectly okay. Like, you know what I mean? It's like it breaks up the monotony. Monotony. It might. Yeah. It might break up the monogamy, too. I'm not yeah. sure. But uh-huh. any- anyway, now, Tony throws us to footage from Thunder last Thursday when that show still almost mattered. As we get, this is great. We get a sit down with Saturn during his good era. Wearing a hood. Yeah, very badass. Yeah. And he calls out Glacier for being shitty and he calls him a joke, a reject from a video game. He's like, you got the fake snow, the laser beams. What's the difference between Glacier and Perry Saturn? That's easy. Glacier, you're a joke. A reject from a video game? You got the fake snow, the laser beams. What, do you read a couple books on martial arts and now you're an expert? I like this line. He goes, that makes him good. <laughs> like, he's, he's, just like, he's like so like, just he hates Glacier. He hates Glacier. And his Glacier's not even anything by this he's, point. Why is he picking a fight with Glacier? He's a doofus by yeah. this point. Yeah. And this is the best like mainstream, you know, big, he's very big good. two version I really of like Saturn. Saturn. I, I like him in ECW also. Yeah, but this is way better. This is the best version of my he's opinion. He's like very serious. I love this version of Saturn. And this feud, by the way, is about like who has the better sidekick. Which, and by that I mean the sidekick, not like a, a crony. Yeah, like or, a kick. or and not the cell phone. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> and which is delightfully old school. It's like who has the best full Nelson and all that yeah, shit. Yeah. It's very, very old school. It's very Mike Tanay thought this up. <laughs> like, what if we do this? And everyone's like, yeah, we don't care about the mid card. Fine, yeah, do whatever yeah, you want. But, that's a good idea, Tanay, or whatever. What's Hulk doing? You yeah. Know? Anyway, back to ringside where the sirens hit to kick off Saturn's music. I always liked this siren thing. You always knew who was coming down. He was like a total badass in WCW, like, honestly. No, I loved him. It's like, it's like, oh, fuck. Like, Saturn's coming out, and he's going to beat the shit out of somebody. With the eyes. It's great. (laughs) Anyway, he's still a flock member here. 
but he's kind of bordering on turning face, right? If I'm not mistaken. Because he's just naturally, like, organically popular yeah. with the crowd because he looks like an ass kicker. Right. You know what I mean? That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Crowd is tolerant of him. They don't really boo him. They're just like, okay, right. okay. Uh, we get some crowd shots of the college-age kids, which is, again, the perfect demo for this era. Yeah. The people that just show up there, they don't... By the way, I just need to go on a, a slight side tangent here. That's the audience you kind of want when you want to be very popular. Right. You want the people that don't care about the history of wrestling. Yes. Don't care about what's going on backstage. They just want to see two people fight. They just want to show up because it's fun. and f- yeah. yeah. And they want to see the promos. They want to... See- I know it's like you shouldn't say that it's taboo. It needs to be about matches and all that shit. But like, yeah. really, that isn't what draws in the people. These people also, I think it does help to have like a sort of convoluted story that's not understandable. And I'll tell you why. Because for the person who doesn't give a shit after they leave the show, it makes it seem like they're walking into something that's like deep, yeah. but it's not. It's just, right. it's needlessly complicated. Yeah. But like that sort of adds a layer of like, Oh, there's like a history here, you know? Right. Like these guys really want to fight, you yeah. know? Like that that's it. Like that's all you need. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And I think that I don't foresee good wrestling matches drawing the people back in as much as no. I foresee interesting characters. No, people want to see lines. two two people that kind of have a vague history that's easy to understand. They don't yeah. like each other. That's all they need to know, right? And they like I think that the last time in WWF now that they had it was like when Ronda Rousey came in. It was huge. And, and like like Stephanie McMahon's getting in her face and shit, and everyone's like, "I want to see Ronda Rousey punch her out." That's all like, you need. That, and, and people loved it. The, the crowd went wild at WrestleMania. It's so simple. But anyway, seeing these college age demo here, this kind of yeah. just reminded me of like WCW was equally as popular in that regard for a period of time as WWF was. They were very good at that like cookie cutter like yeah. these two people don't like each other and they're gonna beat the shit out or of each other. Or just spectacle, or it's Goldberg or yeah. whatever you know the celebrity. Mm-hmm. So and you'll see it's on display in this show. It absolutely is. But Psychosis's music hits now. It's very proud and very good. <laughs> it his is. like music. I like. I liked him. Special one-hour edition of Nitro. And fans will let you know this coming Friday, May twenty-second. Tickets go on sale for Monday Nitro, returning to Jacksonville, Florida, and the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Now he charges out all happily. Yeah, still has the mask. By the way, must yep. be noted. It is noted. Yep. Uh, little Nate Charles Robinson is going to be the referee here as we get a bell and a standoff. Boot by Saturn, some rights and lefts in the corner. Kicks now, and Psychosis goes down. And Tanae chimes in with the, well, actually, DDP's feud with Raven is over. Like, it has nothing to do with this. <laughs> yeah. It's like old cheese breath strikes again. It's like, what is he talking he's about? So annoying I don't care. Sometimes. Like, it's, it's just because Saturn sort, like, vaguely in the flock. In the flock, stuff. yeah. yeah. And, and he starts talking about DDP. Wow. Uh, the announcers now talk about Mortis instead. Please stop. He, he says, like, don't forget, Mortis <laughs> is back. Like, nobody gives a shit about Mortis. Like, listen, I love Mortis and his I, side I canon, but, like, this is not the time to be bringing up Mortis. Well, that's what they always did. They always talked about other shit. I mean, I know WWF did it, too, but I think WCW was generally worse. But this should be more of, like, how they treat Goldberg, in a sense, yeah, on commentary, not. where they're like, hey, whoa, he did that move. Like, you know, don't. like, they should be doing that. But they don't. Ugh. Never. Uh, Irish by Saturn. He tries a thing, but Psychosis flips out, lands spin kick for two Irish up again reversed by Saturn slide through by Psychosis few chops here he sets up Saturn in the corner but a throw off by Saturn Saturn leaps and gets drop kicked now this is a great looking move and there's zero pop for it that's like, correct there's a lot of that going on in this match that's where, correct where they're, but uh, what I want to say about these moves that I think needs to be emphasized they're not moves that are like 
technical wizardry or anything. They're just really hard hitting and yeah. good looking. And you would think that even the crowd that doesn't give a shit about the technical wrestling or anything, they'd be like, whoa, he fucking hit him really hard in the face just now yeah. with a drop kick. Like, I'm surprised they're not reacting to they're it. Not. That's all. Like, You're right, though. They're not. Yeah. They're not. Uh, Psychosis sets him up again, lands a springboard drop kick to send Saturn to the outside, off the ropes, dive over the top by Psycho- Psychosis to the floor, and literally no one cares for the record. Yeah, what's up with this crowd? This is the kind of stuff that this kind of crowd would like. That's well, my point. Maybe they're there to see Goldberg. Yeah. Maybe they're there to see Hulk Hogan in the NWO and not to see wrestling matches. Yeah. I, I hate not- to say it. I'm not saying it's good. But this match is just high spots. That's the thing. It's not wrestling moves. Yeah, but like- no one cares about the two guys in it, really. Yeah. I just mean it, it just looks like two guys are fighting really hard. That, that's all. Yeah. I'm surprised that this this actually know. seems tailor-made for this crowd. Maybe it's because it's uh, Provident. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the answer. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you're right. They don't care. Yeah, they're hard-hitting moves. They're not like technical No, things. it's good stuff. Yeah. I like this match, actually. I thought it was good. Yeah. Uh, the announcers now talk about Dean Malenko, the whole Dean Malenko yeah, angle from last night. Yeah, one of the best night. things ever from this era. The cruiserweight battle oh royal, obviously. Yeah. We've talked about that. We love that stuff. Mm-hmm. But back in, Saturn reverses an Irish whip into a dragon suplex. Yeah, it looks good. <laughs> is it? No, this is good. He's kicking his ass. <laughs> Super kick by Saturn. Death Valley Driver gets finally gets an actual that reaction. That wakes him up, because that looked like it hurt. Looks it- like it's Death Valley Driver time, guys. And oh. oh, that's what it is. Head first, down goes Psychosis. Saturn using the Death Valley Driver in 98, man. Pretty yeah. cool. And then the Rings of Saturn, which is basically a cross-face scissored armbar. It's a good submission move. And apparently, this is not made up. Stu Hart, this is one of his, like, hey, man, what if I put you in a, in a few holds? It was Rings one of, of Stu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that made me Alphabet laugh. Stu. <laughs> Alphabet yeah. Stu. Anyway, Saturn wins. Good. Solid win, by the way. He just, like, these are the kind of wins I loved as a kid where somebody would just, like, definitively beat the fucking shit out of someone and just, like, like, the other person fought back a little bit, but then, like, then he just, like, he just kicks his... (laughs) fucking ass with moves and like with moves and just like it makes sense pins him like really hard really yeah. definitive like no you fucking lost <laughs> like, right. like a super kick death valley driver yeah. and then the rings of saturn you're done yeah and then just the guy just gets up and like looks in the crowd like i just beat his yeah. ass like you know finishers I mean? finishing the match yeah it's good just to reiterate again i really like this version I, of saturn i did I, I was i'm not gonna lie quinn when he was part of the um the guys that jumped over in January 2000. With- I was excited for Saturn so specifically. And then they didn't yeah. really do much WWF with them. WWF didn't understand the, the, the appeal of like how he was like a hard-hitting, like like nose-to-the-grindstone kind of character. Yeah. And they just they lost it. They were just like, his eyes are crossed and he has a mop. <laughs> like, it's like, they really like, that's all they focused on and it stunk. <laughs> like, it, I don't know. It just, they, they made him crusty. <laughs> Crusty is a good way to put like, it. They made him crusty, like, and they did this whole thing where like Terry's worried about him oh, because God. he's like he's like losing his mind or something. Yeah, and then she just kind of is like, okay, I'm done with this, and she just leaves. It wasn't <laughs> good. Like, it was just sad. They like did this like downfall of Perry Saturn, and it's not like he was old when he came over. He was yeah. 33 when he came over. I didn't understand the like. He just became a joke, and the yeah. and then he finally just wore a dress, and that was it. I think some of that was punishment for hurting that guy, that jobber Mike Bell. But I don't know if that's true. But one way or another, this version of Saturn had a lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of potential. Anyway, we go to break. We come back to the announcers who are at the desk, which is you know the one away from the fans mm-hmm. as usual. Tony has like a fucking twelve dollar double breasted blazer Target. on. Yeah, yeah, Target blazer. It looks so cheap. <laughs> anyway, we get stills now. Yes, yeah, stills of Slambury, where Bret Hart was taking on Randy Savage. And this on paper sounds really fucking cool. Absolutely, like, like something we couldn't get from WWF. 
Yeah, not on TV since, yeah. what, Saturday Night's main event? Yeah. In 87, this, yeah. This sounds amazing. Yep. Uh, Randy Savage had Bret Hart in a horrible sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Then Liz came in. The good Liz, the yeah. like evil, but she's with Savage. Yes, yeah. correct. She gets into this tizzy with special referee Roddy Piper. Why is he still here? <laughs> Why, the, the whole like Roddy Piper extending anything beyond 1996 Starcade <laughs> is like enough is enough already. He needs to leave. I, I agree. I yeah. totally agree. Not that he like the the one thing I will say about Piper at this point in time. He looked older, but he actually weirdly looked younger also. Well, like he was in very good shape. Right. He was like in incredible shape. Yes, he was. It, and he had a beard, so he yeah. looked a little cooler. Yeah. Like, that's right? the one thing I'll give Piper. He adjusted his look to the time, and he looked yeah. like a very relevant character. It was just like, I don't know. He felt old the way they treated he him. He felt old, and he just felt like past his time. If you know what I mean? If they didn't mention, like, if they didn't always mention his history with Hogan, you would think he looked kind of like relevant to the rest of the characters, right. like like maybe he was like thirty nine or something. Yeah, you know, like, like the, yeah, like just a veteran in that sense. But he's still in his thirties. Right, like, he, they could have passed that <laughs> they off. Have he didn't away look with old. It. He didn't look that old. You're yeah. right. Not until like ninety nine, two thousand. Right. Yeah, exactly. When yeah. he cut his hair short, like slightly shorter. Yeah. You know what I mean? I when he looked like just some somebody's dad or something. <laughs> yeah. I, right. I, right. No, you're right. Yeah. So anyway, Savage shoves Piper. So then Brett nails Piper from behind with a foreign object. Then Hulk Hogan came out and nailed Savage, and Brett winds up winning the match with the sharpshooter. This all sounds very confusing, by yes, the way. because it is. Yeah. Larry then surprises me by saying New World Order. Mm. Order, yeah. Hollywood Hogan facts of the New World Order. Wow. What Maybe happened they to him? Maybe they gave him the memo. <laughs> Cut that shit out. It's <laughs> not funny. Well, it stopped being funny in August of 96, Larry. Yeah. So in case you can't keep track, folks... Savage was in the wolf pack at this point, but then he like about a month later, he had to get his knee worked on. I think he had a knee injury. Okay. So he disappeared for a long time. Right. That, what up match was after that. That right? led to what up match. So this is the tail end of like the classic Savage run. I really you know what I like mean? by the end of this run. I really like his look. Like he, he looks cool as he, shit. He's another guy. He's like 45 or six. Doesn't, doesn't look it. Doesn't look it. Doesn't look it. Doesn't look it. Him and Piper look really good they do i can't believe like as a kid i thought they i i perceived them as old because they're so, from the old wwf yeah. but like i'm looking back as an adult i'm like these guys look in really good shape savage looks just as good as he did in 90 they both look better in better shape than hogan Surprising. yeah well, hogan looks good too hogan still. looks good but i'm just saying i think i can't believe how good piper looks yeah he does i i can't believe it no i, I yeah. agree with you so today now <laughs> talks about yeah Bret Hart's new best friend is Hulk Hogan. Tending t- with the plaid shirt under the blazer. Very high cheese. <laughs> he looks stupid. He looks really... <laughs> Bret Hart's new best friend, Hollywood Hogan. He just sounds like the dairy section of your local grocer. <laughs> you know just, what I mean? It just, just feels like mom's basement guy. Like, <laughs> Sorry, I, but yeah. like, I know that he's very smart. And a good analyst, but I actually, God. yeah, I don't like when he's calling moves. I actually really appreciate him. It's just his it's, voice. It's just when you know what it is. It's whenever Tanae talks about the main event scene, <laughs> yeah. I cannot stand it. Like it's like this is not. He should not be talking about anything beyond psychosis yeah, and like Juventus Guerrera yeah. and like all these people. Of course, you know Tony. Yeah, and, Hulk Hogan is the champion still, or whatever. It's like, just please, <laughs> like the, the, let Tony and Brain right. and like those people handle please, that. Please, yes. But we now go up to the ring where Mean Gene is there to introduce the acting commissioner, mm-hmm. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yay. So Piper has his leather jacket on, bright red kilt, no shirt. Like we said, he looks good. So Piper makes it to the ring. 
And Gene asks him, hey, what's going on with you? Because everywhere I look, I see your name everywhere. No offense, but no one cared about him in 1998. I don't know what he's talking about. I was there. So was I. Nobody was talking about no. Roddy. But everyone was talking. No, they weren't. No, no one was. You know who they cared about? Goldberg. Hollywood Hulk. Hollywood Hulk. The U.S. Uh, the TV title scene. Jericho. The Jericho feud. Yeah. I really don't remember. And maybe our fans did. I'm yeah. not trying to say you didn't care out there. I didn't care. Piper though. was like side it cannon. Was, this was all like, side cannon. Yeah. Like There's, even Macho was, even though like he looked great. <laughs> yeah. I was more invested in what was going on with like Nash and uh, yeah. and that whole scene yeah, than yeah. I was with Piper and Bret Hart and give Savage. A it's all because WCW ruined Piper with that, like, it didn't happen or whatever that was. Ever since that, I had, like, really soured on Roddy Piper in Star w- 96. WCW. Yeah. And then he recruited the jobbers to try to beat the NWO, and everyone's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it's just like, he's just, it's not working, Piper. Yeah, it wasn't working. If anything, Piper needed to align with Wolfpack or something. Piper just needed to do something better. Yeah. It just it wasn't a lot of the stuff he did. It's wasn't a shame very good. because again he looks really good. Well, he does I know? Like he needs to wrestle or something. No, I agree. So anyway, first of all, Piper says he's a little po'd right. because he was a referee last night. And he would never fucking do that again for all the tea in China. And then he bitches about Miss Elizabeth and says that she drools acid. Yeah, Piper logic. This sounded like an old rant in 85 or something. Yeah, very. Like, just saying weird shit. Like he's pulling this out of his Cindy Lauper feud or yeah. something, you know? Yep. And then he says you need a wooden stake to put through her heart, so I guess she's a vampire. Mm-hmm. This lady drools acid. You need a stake, a wooden stake to put through her heart. <sighs> so anyway, this is... He still thinks that it was Randy Savage that attacked him from behind, even though it was really Bret Hart. This is dumb. Does he not watch tape or, or even right. the stills or right. whatever? Like, yeah, isn't he the commissioner? Doesn't he have access to all this shit? Wouldn't you think? I don't know why he's saying this, and it makes less sense based on what proceeds here. Yes. Like, it, it's really dumb. So Piper now calls out Randy Savage, which gives Gene a chance to say Savage twice. Like 100% says Savage. Blatantly. Yeah. Like, All right, Bobby Ruddy Piper is calling for the presence of the Macho Man Randy Savage, not having a whole lot of good things to say either about Savage. So the Macho Man comes out with no music, which I like. It's a nice touch. And also Wildcat Willie gives Savage the nod on the way out. What? This must be noted. It is important. Wildcat Willie, he's like he gives like the is. thumbs up to Savage, like he he like he he like salutes him or whatever. What's it, Wildcat Willie? Stop! When you you know Wildcat I, Willie? No, it, what is that? He's Wildcat Willie. He's he's a little like uh, werewolf guy in like a superhero outfit. I think you're making this up. Uh, yeah, I think you're imagining this. He's got sunglasses. No, I don't Does think that so. That never come off. No, um, that's Wildcat, Mr. Hughes. No, Wildcat Willie. I don't think that's a real thing. I uh, uh, all joking aside, though, it is funny that he kind of gives the salute to Savage. I don't know what you're talking up. about? Anyway. Even Tony and Tanae at this point on commentary, they're like, hey, you figure Piper would have watched a tape by now, that fucking dumbass, right? Like, yeah. even the announcers are like, hasn't he watched a tape? Why mm. wouldn't he watch the tape? I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm stunned still about this. <laughs> so Macho does get a good reaction as he makes it down to the ring. And he possibly trips getting in very subtly. <laughs> yeah. He like, he like, it's almost like the wire or something, like the camera, he, he kind of like did a, <clears throat> he like recovered, but it was like very like, because the camera's close on him, so you see his head like jut slightly. <laughs> it's funny. And then he says to uh, Piper, you, uh, you got a problem with me? And he's in no mood to fuck around. No, this is like very serious savage. I love this version. Yeah. You got a problem with me? You want to talk to me? What you got? Piper says that he's not the kind of guy that apologizes, but if he was, he'd have to apologize. What? 
So wait, he does know what was... Pro- yeah, okay. Why so, did he talk like... I don't get it. So apparently he did watch the tape back now. Yeah, I don't understand the previous comment. Then. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I really don't get it. Because before he's like, Randy Savage hit me. You know? No, he didn't. What did somebody show him the tape while Savage was walking <laughs> down? <laughs> like, I... What? It's just... It's very bizarre. Great storytelling, WCW. Yeah. Anyway, Piper makes a horrible analogy about Hogan being a reptile. It's not funny or clever or mm-hmm. witty. And then he says he didn't know it was Bret Hart at the time that hit him. So Piper decides to reverse the decision. And now Savage wins by DQ. And then Gene is in full parody <laughs> He's mode. He's ridiculous here. Oh, oh, whoa, wait a second. What a bombshell. The winner of the oh, match. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. Hey, hey. Second. What a bombshell. So then Bret Hart wanders out. <laughs> this is... This is the most Bret Hart fucking <laughs> shit ever. This is so Bret. You even you must admit this is this like is this the, is this is like parody level Bret Hart also because Bret Hart immediately says you can't put a loss in my column. Yeah, he cannot fucking stand for it. Like the minute he they was suggested that he lost a match, he was like, whoa, 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 wait a second here. Like I don't lose. I'm the best there is. You know. Well, to be fair, would any wrestler be okay with losing? Yeah, but most wrestlers would be like, it's after the fact. Who gives a shit? No, I don't know. There was nothing on the line he in this match. He didn't want it though. on his column. I know, but the, the point is, it's is in mo- his column. Most wrestlers in a non-title match in storyline wouldn't give two shits if they lost. Honestly, they he would forget about it. They would forget about it. It's in his column. Bret Hart he on the other hand, his column. Bret Hart is literally actively counting wins and losses, yep. champion or not. That's like, fucking right. He is. Yeah. You can't put a loss in my column. Bret has a, a proud Calgary Hitman shirt on. I just need to mention. <laughs> so then he then. He then accuses Piper and Savage of being in cahoots together. The paranoid Brett. <laughs> yep. Also, can I note that that Savage doesn't seem too pleased about getting a DQ win over Brett? No, he's not. He's, he's not happy, he's not about, happy it about it. He's like, I don't like that. You know, what a, what a big fucking deal. I wanted to win for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brett calls them both gutless, and then Savage is like, you know what? Fuck it. Why don't you come in the ring right now? And Brett's like, oh, okay, fine, but it's two on one because you're in cahoots. Mm-hmm. So then suddenly Hogan. The Disciple, which is Brutus Beefcake, obviously, yep. and Eric Bischoff all come down the aisle. Hogan now grabs the mic and tells Brett to hold on a second, brother. He then says he heard Piper's derogatory, senile thing about him being a reptile or whatever, and he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's team up right now. By the way, there's like very WrestleMania 9 vibes. You got Brutus Beefcake <laughs> and fucking Hulk Hogan and, and Brett Hart. And Savage. Yeah. And Gene. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot going on here. A lot here. of WrestleMania 9. Yeah. I gotta say, though, those are hell of a team. Both of them, like, on paper, right? On paper, this looks great. Hogan and yeah. Brett yeah. versus Savage and Piper. That sounds great. That really does, That sounds seriously. like a main event anywhere in the country. It does, but no one really cared at the time. Right? I remember I didn't care. I know. I, I actually, like, I look back at some of this stuff, and as, like, you know, more of a retro fan now, yeah. I kind of want to see that. Bret Hart, brother, friend, the man that thinks the way I do. Hogan says, you know what? Let's do it at the Great American Bash. Brett's like, fine. What is that? Like two months from now? A month. Okay. Piper wants to do it right now. And Brett's like, fine, we'll do that. And Hogan's like, yeah, brother. But Bischoff now tries to hold them all back and convinces them to only do it on pay-per-view. Now, Hulk's beard was a little too thick here, so this may have not been the right time for this anyway. Like, he needed to, like, trim that thing. That beard is weird. Yeah, it's weird This specifically in this episode, and yeah. I don't know why. And then Gene has a funny one. He's like, a huge brouhaha going down here. <laughs> Very parody. Very Gene. Uh, this was a legitimately fun segment, though. I didn't I mind it. it. I wish I, I wish by the time Great American Bash came along that I remembered this yeah, segment. You, you because won't. there are probably 16 other things that happened in between. Yes. Uh, but we go to break now. 
We come back, and this is so funny. This was hilarious. Bobby Heenan has replaced Larry already. It's amazing that they like feel the need to act like it's two hours, <laughs> like in an hour show. Like it's like I swear we're only like twenty something minutes into yeah, the show. Yeah, literally. And they're like, nope, Bobby's here now. Gotta yeah, give him half the, the show. The second half. Yeah, that's <laughs> so funny. So the announcers hype up this big tag match now for Great American Bash, but now we move on to the Dean Malenko Chris Jericho angle. We cut to last night after the Battle Royal where Dean was talking to uh, Gene backstage after the match. The last time you and I spoke, I called you a bona fide loser. I can do that no longer. Dean's still hold, holding the uh, sequel play costume, which is a great touch. Yeah. And he's got the Cruiserweight belt that he won. And he says he forgives Gene for calling him a loser recently. And he bonified tells, loser. Bonified. And he tells Jericho that he's going to fucking kick his ass. Don't be making fun of me and my family, you asshole. Good stuff. Dean's not an amazing promo, but he's a realistic promo. And this mm-hmm. is... Like we've said, one of our favorite WCW angles. It's fantastic. Good stuff. Now we go back to the announcers who throw to Chris Jericho from last night. And hilariously, he has the Dean Malenko portrait behind him that he used to mock him. It's like just still there sitting on like Coke cans or something. I don't, it's like crates crates or something like, yeah. And Jericho's of course flipping out, throwing all this shit around backstage. This is not right. I'm the champ. This is not Throwing a tantrum like a big baby. I love it. This Jericho, whenever he would not get his way, is really funny. The tantrum era yeah. is so funny, man. Like, he gets, like, literally sits on the ground like a baby. Yeah, pounds the mat and stuff. It's amazing. But now we go to ringside where Damien makes his entrance. <laughs> With, like, weird biker music and somehow looking 56 while wearing paint. <laughs> I don't even know how he pulled that off. When who is this? Should Damien? I know who this is? Oh, Damien was, like, uh, like he was, like, a journeyman cruiserweight jobber. He was? Like, yeah. No, Damien was, like, on a ton of fucking Nitro. I'm sure I've seen him and before. And Saturday just, Night and yeah. Worldwide. Like, Damien was around all the time. It's just, you don't remember him. On Saturday Night, was dominated by more other jobbers. Damien was, like, if you wanted a lucha jobber specifically. So if like Hooventude had to beat somebody or some or psychosis or whoever, right, right. they would have Damien be that job her. Okay. So uh Damien's opponent here is the unmasked Hooventude Guerrera. Good. I've always liked he's him. He's got the very festive music, all pleasant. Yeah, it's good. I like I love I love the like generic like lucha music. It's fantastic. And I always liked Hoovy. The referee is of course Billy Silverman. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. Oh, uh, we get a bell circle lockup knee by Damien, some rights. Irish whip drop down leapfrog by Damien. Spinning heel kick by Hoovy. Big chops now by Hoovy corner whip. Reverse by Damien. Charge misses. Big foot by Damien on Hoovy's charge. And a running clothesline gets two. Corner whip by Damien. Hoovy's up on the ropes. Damien tries a slam, shoves to the corner. Waist lock by Hoovy. Switch and a standing drop kick sends Damien to the floor into the guardrail. Why is this good? This is very good. Yeah, this match is excellent. It really is. Slide out by Hoovy, but a duck down by Damien. Chop and he tosses Hoovy into the steel steps. On the apron is Damien. Now drop kick to the floor from the apron. No one cares, though. And the yeah. announcers are talking about the NWO. This match is great. No one uh, cares, though. I know, but I really, really it, like this good, match. Yeah. yeah, but if you're in the crowd, you don't want to see this, do you? Yeah, I know. You're like, no, what? well, they are doing like hard-hitting shit, though. This is again the thing. But no one cares. Yeah, I know that, but this is again the thing that yes, they're doing moves, but these moves are catered to the party crowd because they're they're like they're big hit and you, broad. Hit you in the fucking face, jump on you, doing flips and shit. Like, to me, again, this style, even though it is wrestling, more wrestling, it's also catered to the the big party crowd style. I, I don't disagree with yeah. that in theory, but I think there's just no stakes. There's no angle here. And why would anyone care? I think it's that's the part that that, that is, is removed from it and why they don't like it. It's Damien. But it looks like a fucking fight's going on. 
Well, a, a flippy fight, yes. Yeah, but a, a, but a fight no less. An aerial fight. Yeah. Anyway, Davian shoves Hoovy back inside, feet on the ropes <laughs> by Damien uh, gets two. This was very bold by Damien <laughs> uh, to use the ropes for <laughs> leverage. Who's like, think he is? I was like, what the hell? Is Damien Ric Flair yeah, now? Like, the Flair pin, man. Yeah. Back in Irish whip by Hoovy, he takes out the leg, heads up top, huge flying head scissors by Hooventude. That was fucking awesome. Very good. Back up again, but Damien crotches him on the ropes, and Damien fucking sets up the freaking muscle buster. Now, and the crowd recognizes this as unique, because I don't remember ever seeing a muscle buster this early on in time. I didn't remember I seeing either. a muscle buster being normal to like, oh, four with Samoa, Samoa Joe. Joe. Yeah. Like, this shit looked awesome if you've never seen it before. The announcers don't even know what to call it. Even it, today, who that's like why he's there. They even react when he was like, oh! Like, you yeah. know what I mean? And like, the crowd's even like, whoa! Yeah. Like, they, this muscle buster goes over really good, and it's Damien. It's Damien, all yeah. proud. Yeah. Look at this. Have we ever seen this before? Are you gonna go with him? Oh! Goodness! Oh, what a move that was! What a move! It only gets two, though, as we go back up. Irish whip by Damien. Hoovy is able to land the Hoovy driver for... The two count? And I was like, holy shit <laughs> so when that happened. Because I. I was like, I thought that was it. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> what? Damien now is a real big contender, huh? I'm proud of Damien. Yeah. Now, Hoovy Driver is the Michinoku Driver, right? I think it's like the same Very thing. Very similar, yeah. if not the same. Yeah. Damien is still down, though. So Hoovy goes up top, lands, <laughs> allegedly lands the 450. Should have ended it on the, the, because of the Hoovy Driver, because this was bad. This was one of the poorest 450s I've ever seen, but it does get the win. Yeah, even Tony's like, he missed it, and Tanae's all like, nice recovering. Like, it's like, shut up, Tanae. Like, Tony was right in his $12 suit or whatever. <laughs> They're allowed to miss moves. They're not supposed to be yeah, perfect. Yeah, I like when Gorilla used to call it out, and I was happy to hear Tony call it yeah. out. Like, Tony's like, I didn't get all of that. Yeah, he didn't get all of it. What's wrong with saying that? Yeah. Everything has to be pristine. Like, all they had to do was they they could have just said, well, Damien was pretty fucked up from the, the yeah. other thing before, like the Hoovy driver, so like, that's all he needed. Yeah. Hooventu yeah, got lucky. He was able to still get the win. Yeah. Boom. Done. Anyway, we go to break. But first, this episode of Nitro is brought to us by Burger King. If you ask us, it just tastes better. Thanks. <laughs> back, back to ringside where the Nitro girls are out again and then they leave. And then, Quinn, we get Goldberg's oh, music. Oh, shit. The man is here. Right now, look at the signs. That's in anticipation right there. The heck of a score. Going in, he's 88. No. There's a few things that I'll fondly remember about the spring and summer of 1998. WWF Raw in general. Yeah. Graduating sixth grade, watching Nitro. Watching right? Goldberg kick all sorts of ass. And watching the Yankees kick all sorts of ass, man. Yeah. And the home run chase, McGuire and Sosa. I remember that shit, too. That is 1998 for me. Anyway, the U.S. champ, Goldberg, is out now. He's 88-0, probably. As Tony hypes up game two of the Western Conference Finals after this, we got the Lakers versus the Jazz pyro for Goldberg as usual. I gotta say, no one is chanting Goldberg. Like, they're, they're, We don't have the fake chants or anything. Which yeah. is go I don't like them. I think it's cheesy. I think the, the thing, though, is everyone's kind of like standing in awe. Yeah, it's like, just, they're like, just like, whoa. It's real. It's not yeah. like a Goldberg. Like that There's shit. genuine like hype. It's just the crowds in them constant like, <sighs> yeah. Like, this shit is fucking awesome. Yep. And this is really funny. Goldberg's opponent is the jobber entrance version of Glacier. So, I want to note here, the best part is Glacier, like, kind of, he kind of, like, ran out, like, yes. while Goldberg's music was playing, but he wasn't there yet. Yeah, he, like, he, scurried and, out. Like, he scurried out and kind of, like, ducked under the pyro, like, yes. like as if, like, he, like, was late or yes. something. Like, it was incredible. We see him run out, like, to get his jobber entrance. It's very funny. Like, nobody even knows he's there, practically. Yeah, right. The referee is going to be Nick Patrick, who has the slick hair and the evil goatee, but he's mm -hmm. he's neutral. 
We get a bell lockup. Goldberg shoves Glacier, Glacier to the corner. Glacier with a bunch of kicks, but they're all blocked by Goldberg. Cool set. set yeah, it's, it's awesome. We get a huge clothesline by Goldberg, which gets a nice pop. Another kick. Goldberg grabs the leg, whips him down and on the I'm leg whip. Like, holy shit. He just fucking boom. Like, it just looked, whipped up. The velocity on that looked amazing. Looked real cool, yeah. yeah. Uh, back fist by Glacier, arm drive by Goldberg. Matt choking for fun. Goldberg was just so brutal during this time. I loved it. This looked like he was beating the shit out of people. Part of that is because he kind of was, and right. he wasn't as, you know, refined in his technique. Exactly, but I feel like the hard edge on him, like, it worked for the character, weirdly. As long as nobody got hurt, like, it was, it yeah. was kind of great. Too bad Bret Hart is one of the people that got hurt. I know, but, it's, you know? like, unfortunate. It's unfortunate that he wasn't able to, like, develop it into, like, to keep that, but also... Because Goldberg, I feel after the Bret Hart thing, he got a lot softer. Like he realized, like it was yeah. like it was like that was the last straw, right? I mean, to be fair to Goldberg, shit does happen. I mean, right. it does happen. Right, that could have been anyone. I will say though, if you compare Goldberg to the Warrior, yeah, it's very similar in terms yeah. of like getting over by just doing like hard hitting offense in short matches. Right, it makes total sense why he got over as quickly this, as this he did. This match is a perfect example yeah. of just beating the fuck out of somebody. This is like a stereotypical or like a quintessential Goldberg squash here. Yeah, because we get knees in the corner now by Goldberg, some uppercuts, and we get now real Goldberg chants. And they're not the droney kind, because you know what the droney chant, Goldberg. Yeah. They're like the Goldberg, Goldberg. Yeah. I've always found funny because yeah. when you do that droney chant, that's like Erwin. That's like the making fun so, of chant. But I think that chant, that chant sounds intimidating at the entrance because mm. it sounds like the crowd is like, it's, it's there's like a scary element to the, to the, to the opponent, right? It's like, oh, this guy must be serious shit. Because it, it sounds like Thunderdome or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, Does so, it? Like some guy's coming out to, like, Lord Humongous is coming out to just completely <laughs> kick your fucking ass. I guess so. Yeah, you know it's what I mean? ominous, right? Yeah, it's very ominous, the slower version. Okay, fine. Anyway, Glacier tries an Inzaguri, but Goldberg catches the leg. And then Glacier uses the other leg for a kick to the face, which is nicely done. Kip up by Glacier right into a spear. This looked amazing. Yes. The pop was in. Scene. They were like, oh, like, it was like gigantic pop. Oakman back up. Kip oh! up to get driven down by the spike. Holy fuck. I love Goldberg. I just love him during this period of time. He just, he gets up and Gold, and Glacier just gets knocked yep. right fucking back down. This is the type of shit this crowd was here to see, yeah. Quinn. This Not is the kind of shit that when we say like you had to be there with Goldberg, this is a perfect example yeah. of it. This Because this was fresh. No one had gone on a run like this before, yeah. you know? Yeah. Of just demolishing people that you knew, too. Yeah, Glacier was like like He's treated known. as a big thing two minutes ago. Like, Steve you know, Regal? Yeah. Like, like all these guys. He would just destroy people. Yeah, the, the, he made them look like jobbers. Yeah. Anyway, Jackhammer and goodbye Glacier, 89 and though. Awesome. Yep. As we get the replay, we can see that this episode of Nitro is also sponsored by Castrol GTX. See, I was thanking Castrol because I wanted to see that spear again. Good point. Yeah. I was like, I was looking at the thing and I was like, oh, thanks, Castrol. Like, <laughs> I, I wanted to see that spear again because it looked awesome. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Gene now climbs into the ring to bring out DDP. Diamond Dallas Page! Here comes the people's champion. Correct me if I'm wrong, Quinn. Is this an overdubbed version? Oh, this is very overdubbed. Because he had the fake smells like no. Teen Spirit still. Yeah, so it's like, dun, 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 self high five. Yeah. That was in the. That's not here. This is very overdubbed. Is they, this the cock? So this, it's not just the cock, Joe. Network. On the network, 
There is no, on the network, every version of DDP's music is this, and it sucks. Self-high-five. Do you think it's because WWE thought that DDP's WCW music was too close to Smells Like Teen Spirit? I think so, they so said, but his was a public domain. I could never... It, it wasn't. It's just... It's not public domain. They probably wrote it. Yeah. And it was too similar. It was too, Or they might have purchased it, because sometimes they license stock music that's all, similar. All I know is that this, to me, has severely diminished DDP on the network for a very long time. Yeah, because his music's awesome. His music is is incredible it is I like agree. and you need to look this shit up on google if you've because this has been going on now for like almost a decade that they've like overdubbed his music with this piece of shit thing <laughs> like and it, it's really frustrating it's like another aspect of ddp that i always feel is like this is why he's like downplayed right because his entrance music was so good it was like it was so I good it seemed like he was out there like and he meant business the way his song would play that era of DDP is great he's still yeah. good here by the way yeah. 98 mm-hmm. um, so Gene brings him out and he brings up how DDP defeated Raven in a Bowery death match last night and he wants to know how he does it how do you do it every night night after night so DDP quotes the late great Dick Murdoch what <laughs> why are we bringing up Dick Murdoch if I had to think about how I did this I don't know if I could huh I don't know DDP then says that he does it because he loves it and for all the people out there that jack him up. Ew. Anyway, <laughs> and now he's got his sights set on the big gold. Mm. And by the time he gets a title shot, he hopes Hulk Hogan is still the one that has it. I'm down for that. So am I. I like that DDP had his like eyes set on Hogan. If you don't know, like DDP at that time had like a Randy Orton vibe in the good way where he like Randy landed. Randy Orton finisher too. Yeah, that's what I mean is that he had this 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 mystique about him like that you never know when the diamond cutter is going to come. He did. And he, and he also was like, he, but he had way more personality than Randy Orton. So it was kind of this like, yeah, it was kind of like I this concede. cool, he was this cool character that was, I was like, I'm jacked up, I'm ready to fucking fight. But like he would fight underneath most of the match. Yes. And then he would like. You never knew when it was going to happen. You never knew when it was going to strike, and then yep. he would hit the fucking diamond cutter. I think it looked better than the the RKO sometimes. I liked it too. Yep. Yeah, and I just thought I loved DDP like a lot during this time period. Yep. For the record, folks, he wouldn't wind up winning the world title until about a year and change after mm-hmm. this. Yeah, but he was he was credible. In he 98. was understood by the fans to be a legitimate threat to the yep. world title, like at all times. Yep. I mean, he fought Goldberg for it. Cause, yeah, because again, you never knew yeah. when the diamond cutter and the diamond cutter was like the DDT. It was like lights yep. out, like, it was like if, the stunner. Yeah, it, it was like you don't get up from the yep. diamond cutter. So it was a good era for DDP. Yeah. I liked it a lot. But anyway, we get a diamond cutter signal from him, and then a bang to end this. It was very sudden. Yeah, it was the, a weird promo. This felt like they were like killing time for like a like they wanted one more match, but they knew like we can't extend that match to the end. Right. It was just like this felt like a timing thing. Very filler promo, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, Nitro is also sponsored by Starburst. Yeah, if you care, I don't. Uh, we're back to the arena now, where the NWO music hits. Oh, goody! I love when they just come out and talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bischoff leads out Hogan, who plays his belt like a, like a guitar, of course. Behind them uh, are the Giant, Vincent. Brian Adams. Crush. Yeah, Crush. 
Crush is there. You know this is this is bad. Yes, yeah, seriously. And of course, the disciple. Giants somehow still part of the NWL, or like maybe Once is or again. isn't. Yeah, I, he he he's just like in WWF where he's always switching. Like yep. even in, in, this was going on in WWF, people are all surprised. Yeah, it's like no, no, no. The giant was always like, is he in the NWL? Is he just giant? Is he in the Dungeon of Doom? Is he like <laughs> is he part of WCW? Why I is he smoking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just I don't know where the fuck giant ever lines up with. All I know is you don't fuck with the giant. Yeah. Because that's the one thing WCW did right with him is that he was just unstoppable, right? Because he was a giant. Right. They were like, no, no, no. You don't beat this guy. Right. (laughs) You just hope that he's not against you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that was how they treated him. Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, and Dusty Rhodes is also with, oh, Dusty Rhodes, Uh, that era. Can I just say Dusty and NWO? It stinks. (laughs) I agree. To to me, all this means is Dusty is not on Saturday night, like, goofing around and, hey, Tony, it's talking about the, my mother watched this last week. Yeah. It's like, if I don't get that, I feel like Saturday night's ruined. No, a part of us is yeah. missing, Quinn. And with a bicycle! <laughs> they did not need to put him in the NWO. There was, it did nothing. It did nothing. It did nothing. It just felt like it took Dusty out of the B-shows, yeah. which is where he belonged because he was great. I know. He made the B-shows matter. The dream was broken. Seems yeah. like all was lost. Mm-hmm. Hogan says a bunch of crap to the camera as he takes forever to get down the aisle. I feel like Hulk literally is just holding the belt for Goldberg at this point. Pretty like much, it's pretty right? much understood yeah. Goldberg is the best shit in the company. He's the next guy, right? Yeah. He's the man. Who's the Sting character that they built for all this time? Fuck yeah. him. Everyone makes it to the ring and Hogan parades around with his belt before posing as Bischoff gets on the mic. Now Bret Hart, after everyone else is there, Bret Hart wanders into the ring now. Not NWO shirt, by the no, way. No, because like, he's not in the NWO, yeah, he's remember? Like, I'm Bret Hart. I'm fucking good. <laughs> yeah. like that, it's like, I'm just friends with these that's NWO it, that's people. That's what it is. Yeah, it's like, Bret, it's just like, I'm okay with them. Yeah. But they're, they're not, you know, the Bret Hart character is like, none of these people are as good as me. Yeah. Even, even Hulk Hogan. If like, they can help me, that'll be good. Maybe yeah. I can help them out. Exactly. Well, I'm not in this. I don't really care about the WCW. I don't really care about the NWO. You know, if that Hulk Hogan wants to challenge me, that stinky I'll, idiot, I'll, I'll beat him. I'll fight him too. You know, like that I'll beat him thing. in 10 minutes yeah. or whatever. He's just, he's Bret Hart. He's, he's just Bret doing his Hart own thing. And I'm better than everyone. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Hogan grabs the mic now and says that he proved to everyone that Hollywood Hogan is the supreme power in the world of professional wrestling, brother. Shut up! That Hollywood Hogan, without a doubt, and the whole NWO that worships the ground Hollywood walks on is the supreme power in the world of professional wrestling. You know what's funny? This is no different than his 93 promos. Yeah, he's like, not, I'm not kidding. He's 93 Quinn. Hogan. He work, it works as a heel, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Josh! Yeah. But like the whole, because his 93 is like, <laughs> I'm better than everyone, brother. I actually think it works because of the simple fact that this shut up line is me yelling at my screen and he, yeah. he got me. He yeah, got, he's a he great fucking, heel. He fucking got me. I was like, fuck you. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? The point I'm trying to make is that he was saying the same garbage five years earlier. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he's pretty I much. Think, I think it's funnier as a heel here because Bret Hart's standing behind him. Yeah. Like, you know, Bret Hart, the Bret, oh, again, God. the Bret Hart character, I'm the best. Yeah. He doesn't think that Hogan's better than him. Right. Exactly. He's just trying to team up with them for yeah. his own game. He's just using him. Yep. So Hogan calls out Nash for being a national uh, uh, sign in the crowd. McMahon kicks Bischoff's ass, and then behind that it, didn't happen. But. <laughs> but then behind it, there's another sign. Nitro is the number two show, and then the guy flips it, and it says, "I like Raw." Oh, I didn't notice that. I that's did. funny. I like this that's, guy. That's actually a clever sign. It is. Uh, anyway, Hogan rambles on and on about how he's good. Like I said, same shit as '93. 
And I can't think of no better way than to take the man who everybody thought was nothing but yellow from head to toe. But last week, after he showed his true colors out here... By the way, Brian Adams just standing there uselessly as Hogan's talking just about... Just stop calling him Brian Adams. That's too much credit. He's Crush. It's fucking Crush. You know it's true. It's just the same thing. Does he do anything good in the NWO, no, Quinn? It's the same thing. It's just Crush. They just have him because they can. Yeah. That's all it is. Well, because he got mad about the Bret Hart stuff. You shouldn't do that to Bret Hart, Brian. Yeah. He doesn't talk like that. I got my friend Brian Adams in there mm-hmm. in the WCW. Anyway... Hogan's talking about the NWO Bible and all this stuff. His beard, again, is way too <laughs> thick. I hate it. It's too painted on or whatever. Yeah. yeah. We then talk about how Scott Hall turned on Kevin Nash and Hogan brings out Scott Hall as the newest member of NWO Hollywood was or whatever. Scott Hall ever in the Wolf? I like don't think so. Like fake Wolf. Wolf. Fake Wolf. He was only in it to turn on Nash, which, of course, always makes sense. And this was weird because they decided to give him a formal entrance as if they need to, like, I swear they did this for, for um, the purposes of really hitting it home that he's in the in the black and white. Yeah. They're like, give him a full entrance with the white shirt so it's like, it's ingrained in your head now. Scott Hall is black and white. Right. That's why they did that. Because wasn't the Wolfpack what, the informal name of, like, Hogan I'm not not Hogan. Nash Hall and a and X Pac. Yeah, it was like they're like informal before they were like a subgroup. Yeah, and then they said like no 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 now we're like we're not even right. in regular NWO. Wasn't it basically the click? Isn't that what they were doing? Basically, it's the same concept of like the even the in like in um even in the Bullet Club they had like the A Squad yeah. or whatever that shit was. It was basically that. It was all. It's just the same idea. It's like that we're we're in it this and we're friends with them, but we're better than them. Right. But we won't. You know <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah. So Hall comes out in the black and white. I want to bring out the newest member of my family, Mr. Scott Hall. I can't believe this. I know NWO fans can't believe it either. Anyway, he takes a million years to get to the ring before Bischoff calls out Sting, who has to make his decision, because you got to remember, Quinn, Sting is tag champion with the Giant. Right. But Giant's in the NWO. And white and black. And what is Sting going to do? Is he going to join the Wolfpack, or is he going to stay with the NWO? Now, do they not know Sting? They fucked with him for over 18 months. He's going to choose Bischoff and Hogan? Are you fucking kidding well, me? okay. No, so, but like really, logically, why logically would he? Logically, he wouldn't. But here's the thing. The, mis- the the reason you're supposed to care is because you're like, oh no, Sting's going to have to give up his tag team belt. So? Yeah, but this is how do- this is WCW logic yeah. about how like the belts are so fucking important that it's like, oh no, like I- I'm not going to be tag champ. <laughs> Who gives a shit? I know, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but that's really, that is WCW to the bone. That is, is like how they think having the belts matters a lot in WCW, but it never really does. No, especially not the tag belts. Yeah, so it's it's like the illusion of like that it's a big choice. Right. When who Stink could get the tag belt back easily, like by him fucking self. Yeah, with Nash. Yeah, or something, yeah. But anyway, Sting does come out from the back, no music. I like when people come out with no music, when they're not like wrestling. I think it's good. Anyway, he slowly walks down the aisle as Tony and Bobby each tell each other to shut up in a very good-natured exchange. Wishy watch. Hi, right, you two shut up. Let's watch this. Now you shut up. Giant then meets Sting in the aisle, and Sting spits in the Giant's face. I thought this was a poor move. <laughs> like, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to lie. No, it's a very bad that, that idea. That was a very stupid mistake, because again, you this isn't Big Show. This is right. Giant. Yeah. You don't mess with the Giant right. in WCW. It doesn't matter who you are. Yep. The guy beat Hogan. Yes. <laughs> Big Show would have cried. Big Show would have cried. Giant will just punch you in the face, and he does that. Yes. (laughs) Tony, it was a WCW loogie. Anyway, Giant chokes Sting out. He beats the utter shit out of him. 
in the aisle, yeah. lands some horrible looking stumps. But yeah. suddenly, Kevin Nash wanders out with a nice plaid shirt tucked into his jeans. Yeah. Um, while holding a lead pipe, allegedly. It looks <laughs> like what the piece of that thing that holds up the felt that prevents people from cutting in line at the movie theater. <laughs> like, it's like that. That's like yeah. really hollow. Yeah. Like, and then we just go off the air with that. Weird ending, but that's Nitro during this time. They, they yeah. always went for this, like, suspense, right? They want to give you this, like, kind of stunted ending so that you were like, what yeah. happened Like yeah. when, it, when it went off the air? Like, we're that was their the plan. Thing. Yeah. Uh, usually, though, WCWs, I feel like, were more negative endings all the time, or is WWF kind of alternated? They always wanted to be like, I think they always, because, again, we always say this, WCW is like a heel-driven company. They wanted to be like, oh, no, the faces are in trouble. Like, you'll have to tune in to find out if they're okay. They like, never are, though. It's the yeah, thing, and the, right. nothing good ever happens. But, like, WWF's approach always is like the big baby face is standing tall. Sometimes. Right? Sometimes it ended with Austin face down. That did happen, too. Yeah, occasionally. It was good storytelling. During the Attitude Era, but WCW was always that kind of company with with the heels kind of like, oh, ha, ha, ha. You'll, you'll, you'll have to fine it's, tune in next time to find out if the baby face is going to get revenge. It's not a feel-good company. Yeah. No. Uh, anyway, though, this was fun because it was a nice display of some of the big angles going on at the time. A lot of promo work. I liked pretty much everything that was on here, Quinn. Yeah, this is a fun romp through 98 WCW. I enjoyed it yeah. greatly. I really liked it. And of course, it was only one hour, so that yeah. always helps. But yeah, great suggestion, Prue. That was a fun one to do. Like I said, folks... If you want us to review something specific, just put it on that announcement post there, okay? We are going through this list. We can't promise we'll get to everything, but we're just going through it. So, with that said, I just want to remind you of a couple of things here before we get out of here. Follow us on Twitter. If you don't, that's at OVP Podcast on Twitter. Shoot us an email at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. Join the group on Facebook. And if you don't mind, this really does matter to, to me. It'd be nice of you. If you have Apple Podcasts, can you please leave us a review? We would really appreciate that because it does matter. Right. It, it is does. helpful. It helps. So you can do that. And if you want to donate, only if you want to donate, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Quinn, we'll be back next week, right? For August, it'll be when coming we back. Will. We're, we're back, so baby. Until that time, thank you guys so much for being with us here. Have a good rest of your day. Have a good rest of your week. I'm Joe Morata. That's Michael Quinn. And we are out of here. See ya. I can only think of a quote by the late, great Dick Murdoch on how. And he said, if I had to think about how I did this, I don't know if I could. Bottom line is, I know the reason why. I do it because I love it. But more than anything, I do it for all the people out here that jack me up! And now I got my sight on one thing, and that's the big gold. And when I get my opportunity to get my shot at the heavyweight title, I hope you got it, Hogan, because I ain't forgot a thing over the last 15 months that you've done to me. And brother, I hope you don't think I forget about it, movie star. Are you getting the big picture, Hogan? Let DDP connect the dots for you. Back. Diamond Dallas Page, pass the fucking potatoes. potatoes.